Hey everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 90. Today is our annual podcast we've been doing. Is that a Woo-hoo. third one or fourth one? Third one. It's got to be a third one. Right? Third one. I think. Yeah. Third? Someone's like, it's your second. <laughs> 90, 90 episodes in. That's only it's our second. Guys can't uh, count. It's our, yeah, it's our annual <laughs> top 10 films of uh, the year. So it's top 10 films of 2020. Uh, much like every year, we we're doing it. Next year, we're going to change it up. This year, we're still keeping to our confusing uh, way of doing it, where if someone's ranking is lower in the list, which by we mean higher in a way. So we start going from 10 to 1, two honorable mentions at the beginning this time around. We'll talk about that. But uh, if somebody, if for instance, me and Marco maybe have something ranked, like I'm in, I ranked it as an 8, he ranked it as a 4, we'll wait to talk about it at the 4 pick and then you know, each give our opinions on why it's in there. We don't, you know, as you guys know, this is more of just like a list of uh, movies that we've seen throughout the year. So a lot of these we have talked about. Some of them we haven't, but for the most part, we'll have a list in our description. So if you want to know more and where to watch it, you can see where to see it at that point. But we're not going to really break down what the movies are. It's just more of how we felt and why we chose it for our list. So Exactly. If that made sense. We're here Bill's, to keep you on your toes, guys. And the Bill's Stay focused. My God. If you're still it. with us, then congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> We're on number 90. Look at that. Woo! <laughs> uh, oh, and so... this time, I, I guess I should say this at the beginning now. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome to the pod. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. I hope I hope you don't jump in on a best of because then it's gonna get real, real. But you know what? We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it enjoyable. We're pretty. We're gonna be a little loosey goosey today. <laughs> so we're just gonna look at every one of uh, Nabil's picks and just shit on it, just hard. So <laughs> usually, what happens over here, guys? Don't worry. I'm gonna. It's just like, hey, what what are we what are we expecting? He he asked us just if we could do BBC top ten BBC uh, shows. I was like, I don't even think I've seen one, bro. He's like, well, get your list ready next year. And I was like, damn, dude, very threatening, very threatening. All right, without further ado, let's get into our top ten films of 2020. Top of the morning. But this narrative is far more than mere fiction. It is, in fact, written memory. We're in loss. And love live forever side by side. So guys, let's, uh, as you know, 2020 was a different year for all of us. Um, <laughs> to say some, the least. Yeah, it was pretty rough, especially movie-wise, of course. A lot of, uh, I mean, pretty much all theaters have been closed. 
and uh, blockbuster movies were delayed for the most part. We did get a, few, I mean, there were a few that came in, but I think for the most part, um, I I don't know how you guys will answer these, but how was 2020 overall for movies for you guys? I'll start with uh, Unibill. It was a different environment for me. I, you know, I look forward to seeing movies in the theater. Uh, I even at one point risked my life to see a movie in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was... That's funny. Danger. That's yeah. funny. Tenet, right? You're talking about Tenet, yes, right? Yes, for Tenet, yeah. <laughs> I took the route of, like, when they came back briefly, me and Mikey we were just like, fuck it, let's just go see hella movies. <laughs> Dude, we saw, like, we saw, like, six movies in the month of, like, September to October. And, and then and we saw it for your birthday, too. We rented out a theater. That's true. We rented mm-hmm. out a movie theater, a theater for, for a birthday. birthday. I, I don't... Uh, we'll get into that for when we talk about it. Uh, but sorry, Nabil. Cut you off there. No, I mean, that's it, though. You know, we... When I had that experience, it was, it was like different from any other year and so watching the films at home was a very different feeling um couldn't i I don't know didn't have the same punch for me so it it was a very uh interesting year to say the least regarding uh watching from home films and i also don't have the kind of setup as everybody else on the pod has which i think is part of maybe take the takeaway from the experience that maybe i need to invest in a better home entertainment system I would say maybe just a slightly bigger TV for you at the very yeah. least probably would make a little difference. But I think I'm going to take it from here real quick, Marco. I think for me overall, it's it shows in our list that we have, you know, smaller films overall. I think a lot of these were mostly seen from home, if all, if not all. I think there's a few that we saw in theaters, but most of these are from later in the year or what we saw while in um, staying at home. So a lot of Netflix, Prime Video stuff, random Disney ones too, but... The way the way that I saw it too is that there still was a lot of it was a good way to still see movies that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise because as you guys know we're usually the type to see especially because we have like subscriptions to theaters and shit like that we'd probably see like yeah. a movie a week kind of thing you know yeah and uh, even if it's shitty sometimes it's just like let's just go out and you know it's our way to socialize and uh, although I know like some people don't like doing that or some people don't they prefer staying at home and all that stuff I think it, it's something that you know part of me. Uh, specifically, I know like it's like uh you know uh I personally like going there. Yeah, you always run into some. Sometimes there's some shitty ones. Sometimes you know me and Marco can't watch a horror film out here because people can't handle themselves. <laughs> so we just wait or see it at a weird time. We're like they won't come for this time. Yeah, and um it's just something that it, it's just missing. But also in that in just saying that um I did actually upgrade my TV this year, which is maybe the best move ever. Too bad yeah, I wait till November to likely. do it. But man, um, Better late than I ever. will say um, that it. I've changed how I watch things at home. I now when I do it, I, I don't do. I try to. I try to direct my focus on it. I used to do a lot of things where I try to multitask or, um, I don't know, like do laundry or like check my phone. But now when I try to see movies, especially recently, I've been doing it where like I put away everything. I, I stay focused. I'm not looking at something else. I want to give it my attention, and I think that's. I think you guys will see in my list that it, it, it reflects a pretty big plethora of like kind of films in a way. So it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Marco? I'd say a, my experience was a lot of what you guys said in a nutshell. I mean, it's it's no secret. I mean, COVID made things made last year a complete shit show, you know, and it, it put everyone's lives on pause and in our personal lives and our hobbies, which doing the podcast is it's our hobby 
And like like you said, James, going to the movies was like a pretty awesome experience. I love going to the movies also. I remember the times when I would be rushing to get home from work so that we could, you know, meet for lunch and then or a late yeah. dinner and then go to the movies and hang out and stuff. And even when the bill was out here, we would do that. And, you know, that got stripped away. So it was just kind of weird to get used to just seeing movies only at home. Like I gained a better appreciation for it. And just kind of like what you said, where, you know, you would be on your phone or be distracted. I tried very hard this time around or last year, at least to watch my movies without too many distractions yeah, and, you know, I would try to, to include I family more, too. I, I watched, like, a lot of movies by myself, and I would watch them at home, you know? And, like, now it's like, oh, you know, it's like the family and, you know, upgraded I surround agree. sound, like I mentioned last I time. I watched uh, more movies with my parents this year than I think I've ever watched, like, in the history of my life. So Yeah, because it's, it's like, so what else are you going to do, you know? And it's, you know? Yeah. So, so like, every night kind of turned into, like, a movie night, especially because... As you guys know, my library of films are pretty big. Just even, like, not even looking at streaming-wise. Yeah, I have a pretty big collection of movies. And they, they'd been, man, there's like a, movies, a lot of movies I hadn't seen. So I was like, why don't we watch this? Yeah. And if they liked certain things, then we kind of, you know, watched the, all the all the series of ones. Or then uh, we even watched uh, TV shows together that way, too. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. it It definitely made me more aware of sort of cherry picking where I would watch my movies too, like which streaming platform I would watch. I, I would notice more if I was favoring one over the other. And then I would catch myself and say, Hey, I should probably check out something on Hulu or on prime video. I, try to do that I, too, yeah. I am paying for this. I might as well take advantage of it too. So took took advantage of some free subscriptions too. So, and then ended up just keeping them. So, yeah, it's yeah. It, it wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a normal movie watching. That was me with uh, like Shutter. I think this year I was like, well, fuck. I guess I like these. Yeah. So it's just like going down that kind of route and stuff. But yeah, you know, that's that's cool though. But yeah, you know, and uh, it, it it was still entertaining. It was something to do at least, and it was a way of escapism and for us to like, you know, sort of keep ourselves busy throughout twenty twenty. So. Yeah. Still enjoyable. Um, how did you guys make your picks of your movies in? Just briefly. For me, personally, I've been... Like you guys know, I, I have like a running list throughout the year because I think one of the years I got like blindsided. And I was like, I don't remember what the fuck I saw earlier in the year. And now that I, I joined Letterboxd last year, and that's been like a godsend because now I can finally track my stuff way better than I ever possibly could any previous year. And I chose... I went in with like movies that emotionally I connected to and or just enjoyed overall. So there's a little mix of everything in my list. It's not all like blockbuster. I mean, very few. I don't think I have any blockbuster films actually. But it, it I mean, yeah, I do. But uh, I made it to a list like there's, you know, there's there's some movies in there that aren't going to win any Academy Awards or even be nominated. But there's a lot of movies in there that just personally, a lot of smaller films that I think are worthwhile checking and movies that stuck with me throughout the year. So makes sense. Yeah. I actually kind of felt the same way, uh, James, I was going through my list of, you know, I didn't get the chance to see uh, a lot of the potential Oscar contenders. Um, don't worry, Nabil, don't worry. We'll yeah. get to those eventually. I know we will. So you know. don't worry. 
And I thought, honestly, that we would have gotten a better chance to do it with the fact that a lot of films are coming on VOD. Well, uh, unfortunately, some are still coming out next month, like, for some reason. Like, dude, <laughs> apparently Nomadland is going to win it all this year, and I'm like, yeah, but no one can see it till next month. Right. Already but yet, people on Letterboxd still have all these reviews, and I'm like... Makes no sense. Throw a brother a link, man. What do you guys? What you guys are part of the academy or something? Why you guys got screeners? <laughs> Getting the special screeners. You know, so, dude, believe it or not, people in other countries have more access to content than we do. They because do. certain certain ones, yeah, they're a tougher audience. That's why you know. And I guess we're we're we believe it or not, we're very much spoiled here when it comes to movies. And I don't I don't mean interrupting your time to build, but just like from what I know from people that live in other countries, like Australia or. You know, Middle East or you know, even Canada, they they have access. Even their Netflix is is included, like HBO Max content, Amazon Prime content is on there. It's it's crazy. So, yeah, well, we're we're spoiled, but at the same time, we're restricted. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Australia has had that new SpongeBob movie, so I mean, that's true. And I, well, I got a VPN it. changer, so I could I could watch it. I'm just being lazy, I guess. That is a way to cheat and get around that. Yep. Yeah. Which comes but, to our next sponsor, ExpressVPN. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if only. That's actually the one, yeah. Uh, sorry, Nemo, go ahead. No, but I mean, that's uh, that's the same thing. I, I kind of went through it with how I felt when I saw the film. Uh, usually, you know, we go through these lists and I'm looking at caliber of the filmmaking and the quality of, of the film itself and acting and all this. But this was mostly the same of just kind of how I felt about it when I watched it and what it invoked in feelings because... There's and it, my list is very eclectic, so you know it's not going to be uh, a lot of blockbusters either. In fact, looking through it, I don't think I really have one. So it's it's more just we went with the heart, like Marco usually does. So, you know, just pulling <laughs> out over there. Hopefully, it doesn't bite you. Right. <laughs> what about you, Marco? What, I, what what was your thought process? That that in a nutshell is kind of how I went about my list. I I chose directly from the heart how how a movie made me feel not to downplay any performances from any of the other movies I've seen throughout 2020, but I went for what helped me escape during 2020. What helped me like forget about everything and just sort of enjoy some Zen. And not only that, but for like personal experiences as well. Like, what was I doing at the time that I saw this movie that made it stick out for me? And I think all those elements kind of helped me create my list rather than just going for, okay, this movie has like the top performer, the, you know, the top actor, I'm going to go ahead and do this or the top director. I'm going to choose this yeah. because it deserves to be on the list. Not to say those movies don't deserve to be on, on, on a list at all. It guys, was just this is a how very your list should be every year. What are you talking about? Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> but it, fuck but you, what do you guys base your other shit on? It's it's not that. I mean, that's how I base it. Marco's like it's been you know other time the last two two years. But this is very different as far as like okay, this movie is great, but is it speaking to me right now and what I'm going through personally right now? No, I mean it. In, maybe in another situation, maybe if things were more normal, it would have. But I I really just went for movies that kind of sort of empathize like with with whatever situation i was going through at the time and and that's sort of what made these these movies stick out for me and yeah maybe some of them are blockbusters on there but they have a little story to them so there's that yeah i mean nabil chose a play for one so who knows (laughs) uh so what did you guys not catch though i know nabil you mentioned that there was a few movies that you wanted to see but you didn't catch i mean eventually i mean 
with the way that everything's nowadays, you probably can catch them eventually. But uh, what are just you don't gotta just through a list. What what were some that you wish you had caught on before that maybe you think might have even been on the list, but you couldn't see or didn't have time to see. Yeah, I mean, I know some of these films you guys have already seen as well, but uh, yeah, I still want to see Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is one that's on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, I know the half of it you guys have talked about quite a bit that's on Netflix I've been wanting to see as well. Uh, some of the films that haven't been out, one of the big films I've been wanting to see is Minari. I'd heard about it early on when it was that's on my getting list too, the buzz. Yeah. yeah, and that's obviously not available for us right now, but that's a big one I've been wanting to watch and Promising Young Woman as well. So there, there are a bunch of films still on there. Uh, that I'm, I'll be able to catch in the next month or so, but you know, yeah, I wish that I could have gotten to it a little sooner. Yeah, for me, especially Minari and No Man Land, I I definitely wanted to see those, but I just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, another round is a Mads Mikkelsen movie that's supposed to be really good too. That I've heard nothing but good things about, so that's one that I definitely wanted to check out. Uh, News of the World, the Tom Hanks movie, the Paul Greengrass film, and I like Paul Greengrass. Mm-hmm. He's yep. uh, he's hit or miss, I guess. But recently, yes. you know, I like him for what he makes and stuff like that. And then definitely, uh, Promising Young Woman, which I have a uh, look at that. I was just talking about people getting screen. I have a screener for on Thursday, so at least I get to see it this week. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so that's I can neat. at least see nice. that one because I've heard that that one is uh, quite good, and that one was supposed to come out even earlier than December, but that was delayed too. So I say my list is pretty long but some that stick out <laughs> driveways i know james you mentioned that one is one that i really wanted to catch but just couldn't quite fit it call of the wild although i wasn't too keen on that movie hearing you talk about it also james kind of made me i, I will watch say it. that movie harrison ford is the reason why you watch that movie he's just he's really fucking good in it man he's good not the cgi dog well. okay yes <laughs> no the cgi <laughs> dog is adorable too by the way yeah uh, says, the Midnight Sky, the Call of the Wild. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I actually almost watched the Midnight Sky, uh, but we'll talk yeah, about it when the film reviews. Yeah, <laughs> an American Pickle too. I wanted to catch that one. News of the World, and also Run on Hulu. Oh, Run's a pretty solid movie. Yeah, that one with my my mom actually. She actually liked it quite a bit. Because that one would pop up like on the ads when I would go into mm-hmm. Hulu and I was like, oh, I might want to check that and out. And truthfully, there's not too many original Hulu movies. So that when that was announced too, I was like, fuck it, I'll give it a look, you know. And kind of like with what you were saying, uh Marco with like giving a little giving a little love to every streaming service. When that yeah. came up, I was like, only Hulu thing came out in like last three months. I guess I'll fuck with it. So that's why they've I had some solid it. ones uh this year though, to be or twenty twenty I should say. Some of their original films. I've I've seen quite a few more than uh, I anticipated. True, true, true. One of them is on your list as well, and yeah. is a film that I really enjoyed as well too. So that is true. So at least when they did it, and I, I do, I do want to bring this up, Marco. I do see on your list as well. You have Underwater. I think that's a fabulous movie. Yeah, I was gonna say that one too, mainly because I have fear of deep waters, and I wanted to see how that movie would affect me, and if I. Really it has the coolest scared. bad bad guy slash monster of twenty twenty. I'll say that nice. Much. So let's get into our list, guys. I do want to start it out here with our honorable mentions real quick and these are just brief and you just we both all of us all three of us chose two honorable mentions each that didn't quite make our top 10 list but we still wanted to give shout outs to them and uh we'll just keep quick on this one nabil what are your two honorable mentions uh my first one is tenet uh it was a it was okay film you know it's on the i'm sure we'll talk about it more but uh just to me wasn't something that i felt deserved to be on the top 10 
also the other film was the five bloods uh there was just some better performances that i saw from other films but the film really just was very powerful especially for a spike lee film and i wanted to to throw that in as as a kind of a must watch it's goddamn blasphemy <laughs> delroy lindo is about to fucking get nominated guaranteed yeah, probably is yeah most likely. uh marco what about you what are the two films on your honorable mentions Mine were Pieces of a Woman on Netflix, which is a phenomenal movie, by the way. It just it just barely missed the list. There were just other movies that I felt spoke to me more. Not not that that movie didn't have elements that that I couldn't relate to. I mean, the main one I couldn't, but I mean, everything else there there were parts of it that I could. You know, yeah. But overall there there were other movies that slightly beat it and i was like mm, i could still recommend it but it's just not gonna make my list the other one is onward which is that was very tough to knock off my list because that movie is very dear very near and dear to my heart i would hands down recommend that movie because it's just incredible but you know unfortunately there were other movies that sort of i guess felt closer to me than than this one and i felt that would have a message that is more relatable to a broader audience than onward so that's kind of the reason why i didn't make it cool uh mine are palm springs which is a film on hulu there's one of the hulu ones that i enjoyed quite a bit and it was actually much higher up on my list but ultimately i think it came down to just some other ones kind of edging it out and for a long time, anything from like seven to honorable mentions, I've always been like moving around. So I'm like, oh, so right. yeah, that's one of the ones that was like on there. And then the other one is the way back, the basketball film with Ben Affleck. I enjoyed that quite a bit more than I thought I was going to. And it's, it's Solid very emotional. Movie. I will say that it just kind of falls apart a little bit near the end for me in that one writing wise. And outside of that though, I, I, I think it's his, one of his best performances in quite some time. Sorry, Marco. I know you're Batman, but uh, it's it's a it's a <laughs> really good dramatic role, and it's very it's like a very personal film for him as well because you know alcoholism and such. And there's just a lot. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of times when I watch it and he he just fuck it up, and you're like, come on, guy, I'm like come on, dude, just <laughs> yeah. stop doing this shit. Like, come on, man, what the fuck are you doing? But uh, those are my honorable mentions. Those are your guys' honorable mentions. Uh, I think we all still would probably recommend checking them out. And yeah, um, for the most part. Uh, that's all our, we just tidied up everything there before, but let's get into our top 10 films of 2020, starting with the number 10 film. And with the number 10 spot, I'm actually skipping my spot because I will be talking about my film later with Marco, actually, because that is his number five. So let's start it out, Nabil, for your number 10 film, Happiest Season. I just woke up thinking about going home with you and got very excited about Christmas. I get to go meet the people that made my favorite person. I'll always take December away over summer. Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. She is my person, and I really want everyone to know that. I don't want to marry her. What are you doing on your phone? I left a gentleman alone in my apartment, so I'm tracking him to make sure he leaves. You're tracking him? Yeah, I track everybody. If the NSA can do it, so can I. So this film made my list mostly because of the joy that I felt just watching it. One of the few, few films I went through through the year that didn't feel like it was emotionally draining, I felt that it was uh, both entertaining and very 
uplifting and wholesome mm-hmm. and it was a it was like a really good kind of christmas movie it wasn't of the norm where it was just in your face it was more just kind of set in christmas um but it also brings a forefront of a relationship that's about uh it's a lesbian relationship and as if you know it's, it's just a normal thing it, it could have been a a a straight heterosexual relationship kind of fell into the same scenario with maybe a diversity thing or whatever it might be. But I, I thought it was just very good the way they were showing it and portrayed everything in there. And just that feeling I, I needed to, to put that in my top 10, especially with everything that's gone in throughout the year that it really is the happy season gave me a good, happy feeling throughout the film. And also Kristen Stewart was surprisingly uh, uh, good in this film. <laughs> so I enjoyed her as well. Yeah, I uh, I like this one a lot too, Nabil. This was actually in my list at uh, at certain times too, but just not quite make it for me, obviously. But I do agree, Chris Stewart is really good. And then um, what's his name? The dude in there is so funny too. Um, the guy from Shit's Creek, he's really funny. So. Yeah, Marco, uh, let's get into your number ten film, Bad Boys for Life. One last time. One last time. <laughs> So this movie is actually one of the last movies I saw in theaters in 2020. I actually went to go see this one with James, and little did we know that, you know, just a couple months later, everything would be shut down and we wouldn't be able to see a movie in theaters for a very, very long time. So... I think that this is actually the strongest movie in the Bad Boys series. It it actually has stakes in it. Uh, we reviewed it already on the pod, so I'm not going to talk too much on it. You guys can go back and listen to our, our episode on it, our marathon, moreover. But I just felt that it was a, a fun blockbuster. They had plenty of action. It actually had a pretty decent storyline. And it actually made it personal for the characters, or at least one of the characters, at least, for Mike Lowry. And I could just sort of, like, connect with having, you know, that sort of, not necessarily family drama, but that those, those sort of, I guess, surprises in, in life, you know, that happens, you know, you know, just randomly. And I think that... Just the very fact that this movie was one of the last few ones that I saw in theaters helped bump it into my list. And like I said, I'm I'm going mainly for like the experience that I had with the movie and also for like how it made me feel. And it just left a, a fond memory in my mind of appreciating going to the movie theaters and being able to enjoy that luxury with, with friends. And for that reason, I, I wanted to put it in this list it's it's probably not like an oscar winner or anything and and yeah it's a it's it's a cheesy action movie at some points but it's still very like near and dear to my heart and that's why it's my number 10 yeah this was on my list too i mean a lot of you guys stuff was on my list at one point but i rewatched this one recently and truthfully that's what kind of knocked it off for me I, I don't think it holds up as well as i remember it holding up when we watched it back in january and I think it is just like the curse of the other two films. Oh, actually, the other two films fucking suck, but they're they're too long. These bad boy movies like are thirty minutes long, too long every fucking time. Like it, it always there. ends where it could have ended, and then it's always like, but then there's one more place we have to go. <laughs> the Michael and Bay trademark. Yeah, but it, it, yeah. it kind of made sense for this one. But yeah, I, I feel it. Yeah, I mean the whole. Mm, I mean the plot. Yeah, like you said, it's it's. Don't think about it. Just go for the fucking helicopter crashing through the thing. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> 
Those kids are annoying as fuck too the second time around. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> All right, let's get into our number nine picks now. For mine, I'm going to take it because I skipped my last turn. I chose the one and only Ivan. Let's give him a great show, okay? The one and only Why do they want an angry gorilla anyway? You're a silverback. He terrifies humans. (laughs) You're not terrifying. This is a Disney Plus film that... I don't even... Did I even talk about it on the pods? I don't think I did. I don't believe so, no. No, I don't think I did, but this is a Disney Plus film. I watched this with my parents. It's actually based on like a real story about this gorilla back in the day that was in a mall, and basically, it's he's voiced by Sam Rockwell, and I really liked this one a lot more than I thought I was going to, which is weird because, truthfully, it's one of those movies that you you would see and like, oh, uh, you know, like typical Disney film, and one of those things where like, okay, like it was gonna come out in theaters too, but. I really like the performances. Like Brian Cranston is uh, his trainer and kind of the guy that found him from his youth. And it's it's about the gorilla Ivan himself kind of realizing that there's like a better life out there and trying to help the other creatures and such. It, it's a definite like family film, but it's very touching. I told Marco about this one. Like there's a lot of times in it where like I actually like teared up near the end. I was like, oh man. <laughs> He's it's a touching story. I, I actually saw yeah. this one not too long ago with, with my mom, actually. And it, yeah. it almost made my list. But And everything that you said is true about the movie. There there are some tear-jerking moments in there. But um, it didn't really make me... I guess it didn't really reflect much of my 2020. So that's kind of the reason. <laughs> I just liked it. it. I thought it was an enjoyable family film. Saw it with my parents. And... Um, it's one of the original ones on Disney Plus. Like I said, it was supposed to come out in theaters. I think it's a it's a really solid pick. So that's uh, my number nine. Right on. My number nine is the Devil All the Time. Happy birthday, Happy Arlen. birthday, honey. Happy birthday to you. Well, this was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. Figure it's time to pass it on. And that film, the reason it's made my list was just one of the early films that I got to see that I felt like was going to be maybe a uh, Oscar contender to to an extent. When I watched it, it was a very dark story. I thought the story itself was very well told. Tom Holland was excellent in the movie. Um, I really love Robert Pattinson and yeah, he, him as a preacher kind of really sold the film for me, but seeing Tom Holland specifically in a different kind of role and the themes of the film of the murder mystery and uh, just, just a kid trying to find his way. And it kind of goes back and forth between like his, his father and he was younger. That whole premise was I thought just accidentally shot the the story to me was it was just a very good plot from start to finish. Um, it wasn't like anything with a crazy surprise or twist overall, you know. So I wouldn't say that there was anything like over the top from from a plot point to say that oh, you know, this is a uh, reinventing the wheel or anything. But it was a movie that was just really well made, and I appreciated that, and I thought that that deserved to be on the list. Yeah, such a solid movie. We uh, yeah. definitely, if you are interested in that as well, we did a podcast on it. Like both said, and um, 
great performances. Just cinematography is really well done that one. And I think, mm-hmm. just like you said, Neville Pattinson, I think, stills every scene he's into. So. All right. And my number nine is The King of Staten Island. I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Don't be. It's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. So I saw this one on Amazon Prime Video. We actually reviewed this one also not too long ago. Well, actually, very long ago, a few months ago. And I just could pretty much relate to the story. I think that Pete Davidson did a great job at playing a character that hasn't really accomplished much in life or doesn't feel like he's accomplished much in life and has just been sort of wasting his his youth and just kind of fucking around way too much and not a lot of people in his in his group of friends or his family like really believe in him and stuff and he's he's just sort of like just out of his element and just trying to find like something that would motivate him to I guess quote unquote grow up and I think it it's a it's a theme that like most anybody could really relate to, or there's been a moment in your life where maybe you haven't really felt like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or like you don't feel like people believe in you, or you feel like you've wasted enough time on something, and and you finally end up finding some inspiration or something to to allow you to to grow into who you are now, and especially last year with being you know stuck indoors a lot, it kind of allowed me to like reflect on that on my life and. And really think, am I really doing what I want to be doing right now? Should I be doing something else? And I've already mentioned it a million times, but, you know, I went back to school and it really kind of helped me like reaffirm my decision that, hey, you know what? I made the right decision in doing that and wanted to change my career. So I, I, I took the story very close to heart and like, again, you know, like I said, really relate to the character in, in some aspects. So, yeah, that's why I made my my number nine. Awesome. Uh, let's get on to our number eight picks now. And uh, just a heads up on this one, Marco and I are both skipping our number eights. They are further down the list with someone else's pick. So, uh, Nabil, take it away. Yeah, so my number eight pick is The Midnight Sky. Come in, Ether. This is Barbo Observatory. Are you receiving this? Is anyone out there? This is Ether. Does any one copy? We're not receiving anything. That puts our last contact with Mission Control at three weeks. Why is it so quiet? That's Ether. It's a spaceship. This film is uh, currently on Netflix. It's starring and I believe directed by George Clooney. And this film is very much a space movie. Um, and it's kind of set in the desolate future of, you know, possibly plausible, (laughs) depending on your outlook on world. But, you know, the reason I put it up on my list here, and I just added this recently, was the, the visuals. And you'll, you'll see a lot of reviews talking about it, but the story itself, it was, was an okay plot, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, very simple, uh essentially he's trying to get from one place to another and there's also something happening in space 
but his performance, George Clooney specifically, was great. His uh, the little girl that's with him is great as well. But man, just the as I was watching the film the entire time, I just kept thinking about James and Marco and saying, I can only imagine the the visuals that they were seeing on 4K, seeing this. Oh, I the thought you okay. <laughs> The visuals, yeah. <laughs> I thought you're like, hope they're not falling asleep watching this. <laughs> well, I Man, mean, I gotta, the bill, you film. are biased as hell. I am biased. Me. I think I've George never said Clooney I wasn't. is a garbage fucking director. Just like you know, like like we're giving him a pass for this film. Like this is his best one ever. Like or in in a yeah, long time, I would say it compared is. to the other shit he's done, that's terrible. But yeah. like, I think personally, this film is just it's almost feels like two movies because of the space and then the um. Going back to cleaning on the, you know, he's in Antarctica and stuff. But I will say it's his best looking shot film. I'll agree with you on that. It looks really good, and there, especially that night sequence when he wakes up uh, at a certain point in the building. You know, you know what I'm talking about, and he has to yep. escape. I think that part is really, really well done, and the space sequences are super well done. I'm like, it almost looks like he took a cue when he did like gravity and such, and was like, let's do that. Agreed. Again. Which is yeah. which is cool, but for me the writing was really weak in this one. So, and there wasn't you know there wasn't a lot of dialogue to be honest in it either, and that might be a testament to the whole thing is what he had to work with wasn't the strongest. Yeah. But I think that what brings it up to above you know the other two films so far is really just the visual aspect. Like it just it looks like a beautiful film throughout, and I, I did you know I just couldn't stop just admiring everything I was seeing going on the screen. Yeah. All right, with that, because we're skipping our eight, uh, actually, we're going to go back to uh, Nabil and I for this next one, because Marco will be skipping his number seven. But for our number seven pick, uh, Nabil and I actually, this is all coincidence, of course, but we actually <laughs> both chose for number seven, The Invisible Man. Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then it was controlling when I left the house and eventually what I thought. Uh, this was like, I, I mean, I saw a lot of horror films this year. I just didn't yeah. see a lot of good horror films. And I think this is a good <laughs> imagining of the Invisible Man with a twist, uh, kind of modern Wonder Day twist of it all. And uh, this was actually closer to the end for us with theater-wise viewing, so... I guess we should have taken more advantage of it, but um, I really like this one. We did our review on this one. We did. Uh, back in late February, early March, right before the end of the world, and I really liked it. It was one of those movies that I've seen like two times now. I've seen it twice since the end of that, and it's held up really well, and uh, they're making a sequel already, of course, but... Um, first time Blumhouse has done something a little bit bigger like this, too, which is cool because they only put they put they, the budget are so small for these movies and they the the return they do such of a good job with that yeah is insane so and from a, from a year of watching quite a few blumhouse films it shows so but i i really like this one a lot so yeah you know i it's the same thing the film was very solid uh what really captured me was just that opening scene with elizabeth moss trying to uh, get out of of the uh, the, the house. house. Yeah, yeah. That that whole scene was so tense and really just kind of set the tone for the film. And her her slow transition into being you know going crazy. Uh, I mean, we explained a lot of it, uh, of course, during our our podcast. But just just like you said, James, it's it's a good horror film. 
Um, and I'm not a big fan of a lot of horror films, to be honest. I'm not as enthusiastic <laughs> as you guys are on a lot of the films. But when I watched this, you know, I, I was, you know, I got enough thrill out of it. It was enough uh, gore to, to, you know, creep me out a little bit. But there was just uh, a really thrilling experience, really, throughout the whole film that I just wanted to keep seeing what was going on. You didn't know what was going to happen. And it just kept me literally on the edge of my seat. Needed to know what was going to happen next. And so... It was just a very excellent, uh, excellent horror film. Uh, I wonder how I would feel with a second watch in this movie. I haven't watched it since we saw it in theaters, and I it didn't make my list because yeah, I I thought it was alright. I didn't like it as much as yeah, you guys, I, but I, I recall I would probably you were not a fan. It. Yeah, right. And and see see how I feel about it after that. But yeah, run right on it. Let us let us know uh, if you if it if it changes or not too. I'd be interested. Yeah, totally. All right, let's move on now to our number six picks. Uh, Nabil and Marco, you guys have these on here because I know, Marco, this is your... Marco, just to verify, is this your number six or is this your number six, Nabil? This is my number six. Okay, this is Nabil's number six, and this is Marco's number eight, actually. So that's why they're going to be yes. talking about this together. And uh, take it away. So our film is The Trial of the Chicago Seven. We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. And there's no place to be right now but in it. We watched for a decade while these rebels without a job tell us how to prosecute a war. They're going to spend their 30s in a federal facility, real time. People say, you know, Abby, are you concerned about an overreaction from the cops? Holy shit. <laughs> you all right? It was until I saw that. So, j- just from my perspective, when I saw the movie, I, I was anticipating watching it. I've, I've heard the story before back in the 70s, and I was very intrigued in how they were putting it to film and how they were going to make this interesting. And watching it the, the i'm very surprised by how powerful the performances are by both eddie redmayne and sasha baron cohen especially uh watching through the film and you really feel for the characters you see the perspectives that they had throughout the how the riots were created and it's a courtroom drama film uh it's one of those that you only get every few you know every decade or so where you watch it and it's like this is actually good and not boring <laughs> so uh because they can be a bit sometimes just preachy or they're just going through too much dialogue and you're like okay when are we going to get to the important thing here um but this film just the imagery that they showed each each time they went through the the way they told the story and the flashbacks that they had very very powerful message and also very relevant to 2020 i think it's a very good film obviously they they shot this film I think in 2018, to be honest, and they have been trying to put it on out. But so it, it was just a testament to that time. But it is a very relevant thing to uh, what was going on in 2020 and, and the kind of the current state of affairs. So uh, just a great film with a great message and uh, something to reflect on for everybody. I, I agree. I, I chose this movie because of the powerful impact it had, because it was very reflective of the protests that happened in 2020. There was a lot of parallels between that with violence done against the protesters who weren't really doing anything down to you know police officers taking their their name tags off and stuff to hide their identities is very reminiscent and the fact that that really happened 
you know, damn near 40 years ago and, you know, it's happening again. It's, it's, it, it shows, you know, just the social injustice that, you know, that still occurs. And I felt, you know, like it was very relevant to, to today. Although the movie, it, it's, it's on my list. However, it was very much watered down. Sorkin did water down a lot of what happened, which is surprising yeah. to me because I usually these movies tend to like, you know, raise it up to 11. But this is actually one of the biopics that actually toned it down. There was a lot of stuff like if you watch this movie, you would probably think, oh, that's exaggerating. No, it was actually a lot more than that. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, uh, Abby Hoffman, he was a lot more charismatic in court. He did a lot of other stuff that they didn't show in the court. The stuff that happened with Bobby seal was in, in real life was actually a lot more intense. It, it just a lot of things that was just kind of like toned down. And that's sort of what made me want to add it to my list is the fact that, wow, the, the whole situation was actually a lot worse than what was portrayed in the movie. There was actually another movie that's very similar to it called mangrove that talks about the Mangrove Nine that happened in England, which mm -hmm. is a very similar incident. And that movie almost took the place of this one, but I wasn't able to do any research to see if that movie was toned down or toned up. And just the very reason that this movie was just a fraction of, of what happened is what made me want to include it, that and its relevancy to what happened in 2020. But yeah, solid movie. Okay, let's uh, move on to my number six. I have the film The Five Bloods. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. You're the man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. Hey! I have no place to stay. Hey! We bury it. They don't. We come back and collect. I shall resign the presidency. Being back here, it is not easy. Broken man. So this is a movie that we also reviewed on the podcast. Check it out. This is Spike Lee's uh, kind of renaissance recently, I guess, with uh, Black Klansman and also Defy Bloods. I really like this film a lot. Uh, as you guys know, Chadwick Boseman you know, passed away this last year as well. And this is the second to last, third to last, third to last film that he did as well. And I think it's a very powerful performance. There's a sequence where Delroy Lindo's character is talking to him in the, um, the wreckage of a plane and there, and he's, he kind of puts his hands up and just kind of forgives him. And I, I even just saying it right now, just gave me goosebumps. So that's why that movie is number six on my list. It's, it's a very powerful film. It's about friendship. It's about the horrors of war and what can happen in war, especially Vietnam. And, uh, it gives it from the perspective of a group of black soldiers that go back after quite some time and they still are, you know, have a camaraderie ship with each other. And I loved it. I absolutely love that movie. And I think it's um, one of Spike Lee's best on top of Black Klansman, of course, but it's a solid movie. Just, That's a great I agree. James. Yeah, I think I think it is a really great film, um, especially, you know, for Spike Lee, just just being able to really 
get a message across about African Americans mm-hmm. in, in Vietnam and then having those guys relive it and each one of their unique experience, you know, and then losing a, a comrade and then also just uh like you said chadwick boseman there it just it is it is a wonderful film uh and the acting really just yeah moves the film it carries it throughout the whole thing i agree hands down it's a powerful film almost made my list it, it was it, tough yeah. taking that one off my list but it's been on my list the whole time it. i think since we saw it so i, I yeah. that one i knew i was like oh i want to yeah. the feels i will say it runs too long obviously it's like two hours yeah. 35 minutes like fuck mm-hmm. right and um I guess a little silly near the end with Paul Reno's character, but you know, fuck it. So, yeah, it still worked. All right, let's uh, move on. Uh, we're going to get into what was my number, I believe, eight. Sorry, we got to check out list here, guys, but yeah. we had a few changes <laughs> here today before the start of the podcast. So, my number eight and Marco's number six. I will let you uh, start it out, Marco. So, my number six and his number eight is never rarely sometimes always i didn't see you at school today i went to the doctor what's wrong girl problems don't you ever just wish you were a dude all the time this is the most magical sound you will ever hear And she's not ready to be a mom. So this movie was released in theaters, but it also was released on HBO Max for streaming. And I recently saw this not too long ago, like just a couple days ago. And man, what a powerful, powerful movie that just just shows you how just unequal things are in, in, I mean, in our country and even in the world too, with, you know, with men and women. And basically it's about uh, a young female that's 17 that uh, is pregnant and she is basically trying to find a way in order to get an abortion because she's not ready to be a mother, but her hometown in uh, the state of Pennsylvania doesn't allow her to get an abortion because she is a minor and she would need the consent of her parents who aren't necessarily that supportive. And you just kind of see the struggles that the, that the young woman goes through in this entire movie from not having support of her father to just being like teased at by, by males to, you know, being, you know, tricked into to doing things that she doesn't want to. And it, it just kind of, in, in, in it just kind of reveals just like the 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 injustices that that females have to face you know in in even in modern times you know and it just it picks at it you know little by little and and really like makes you live through these experiences through through these characters and man it was it was filmed so well the performances were done just great it, it's it's an indie film so you get that sense of realism to it where people's mannerisms the way they talk is just like so grounded and realistic the 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 camera shots that the director chose are also just kind of like very like uh up close kind of shaky cam and it kind of makes you feel like you're living those experiences with the characters but it's it's a very very powerful film that i think that is something that is is like a must watch for for everyone yeah, no, I, I really like this one. I even 
I even told you guys to check it out if you could. So I'm glad you checked it out, Marco, because I yeah. it was very powerful. It's a movie that, you know, near these these times too. I think it's um, I think some people either like uncomfortable movies or you don't. Like sometimes it takes yeah. you out of that that level. I think, and I think for some viewers, I mean, it's not going to be for you. You'll know in the first like 20 minutes. Like okay, maybe not, but. I, I think the character of Autumn, played by Sydney Flanagan, this is her first movie she's ever done, by the way. And I think it's it's crazy that this is her first time acting, and or she'd done acting before, but this is her first movie. And there's a scene where it's, it's 15 minutes of uh, the lady at the abortion clinic just interviewing her and going through the questions, and it's, it's yeah. totally one shot, too. And it's, it is, like, heartbreaking. That's the scene that made why this made my list at uh, number eight for me. And it's one of those things where... It, it's just it it shows you the injustice of it all it also shows you how a teenager in this time period too is seen by men and older older guys too and there's there's a, there's there's a lot of uncomfortable scenes yeah in this movie but in in truth and honesty that's kind of why i like the movie so i really enjoyed it i think the performances are really good uh i agree with you too marco the shots there's a lot of just silent shots with no no dialogues taken but you can see everything on autumn's face and you understand what's going on and I think, truthfully, with that, that that's why it's it made my list. So, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I listened to your recommendation and actually watched it. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's move on to our number five. Uh, me and Marco again, real quick here. This was my number ten. This is Marco's number five. I'll intro it out here, Marco. The movie we chose is the Christopher Nolan film Tenant. <laughs> One of these bullets is like us, traveling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? Why does it feel so strange? You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Whoa. So as you guys know, we did a bonus episode on this one as well. We're just aimlessly plugging the podcast so you guys go back and just listen to fucking episodes. <laughs> listen so, to them all. Yeah, listen it's all to part them of our all. scheme. <laughs> so remind me of that song to Bill. Nice. Uh, so yeah, this is one of the only blockbusters I think on my list and... Um, the film, the reason why I like this one, I know Nabil was disappointed overall by this one. It's just kind of made an honorable mention, but Fucking I still, hater. I think it's a film. It's a film that you got to see multiple times. I've seen it three times. Every time in theaters, did not give one fuck about COVID. So I mean, I just went right into it. So. Um, Marco and I first saw it in uh, a drive-through. That was a cool memory. I I do not think I understood half the film because it was really could not see the dark scenes. I just before you could go not. to the other two versions, I have to say that James literally had to see it in every type of uh, yeah, cinema the next, there is out the there. The next day, by the way. I drove an hour and 40 minutes to some bumfuck place in Sac or something to go see it in IMAX oh, by myself. First time I've ever seen a... Well, second time I've ever seen a movie by myself. 
because even my girlfriend was like, "Are you seriously gonna go again?" I was like, "I have to." I do <laughs> next not know morning. What the fuck was going for, on. for those of you that don't know, James <laughs> rarely watches a movie by himself. I yeah. don't. I don't like watching in a theater. New nowadays, all the time, right? Other than yeah, movie night and shit like that. But uh, yeah, I, I well, yeah, I told you guys, I like the whole social aspect of going to see a movie with a friend, grabbing food afterwards, talking about the movie. It's fun. But uh, and you know, I like the people talking in front of me with their phones out. But uh, just imagine then the, just sitting there sweating. <laughs> Wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so the third time I saw it, I actually for my birthday I rented out a theater when we could still do that, and uh, which it was a really cool experience by the way. I got a bunch yeah. of my friends and family, and we saw Tenet one more time just because I surprised everyone by not telling what we were actually seeing. So, and they I guess people had the wildest fucking um, are we seeing Star Wars? I was like, oh, good good pig, but if we're gonna pay 150 dollars we're gonna go see fucking tenant so and a lot of people hadn't seen tenant so i was like well which is good yeah. and i think it was funny because a lot of people i remember mikey was just like shaking his head the whole time like what the fuck is going on but uh as you can tell i'm not even talking about the movie this is one of those ones that i just had a really good experience overall and i think truthfully by the third viewing you understand the plot a lot better than the first time and visually it looks really good in imax i mean unfortunately i mean i hope this is a movie that they re-release eventually in a year or so in IMAX, so if you didn't get to catch the actual IMAX scenes that are spread out bigger, it's really well done in IMAX, and I I, I like that quite a bit. Um, it's a movie that I th- it's not perfect, not not Christopher Nolan's best film, but um, it's a solid little espionage with um, some cool p- mechanics that are questionable still. But I mean, whatever, just the go trickery. With it. Uh, what did you think about it though, Marco? I I agree with with everything you said there. I I chose this movie specifically because of that because of our experience because it was the first time we actually stepped out in months and got to do something and you know it was like a little mini date me and james we went out you know holding hands technically not the first not the first uh one we did though we saw no, new mutants, no we saw new mutants but i yeah, tried to erase that from just memory. forget about that yeah but this yeah. one was a lot like it, it was a better experience because of the excitement from the movie and yeah it was kind of tough to see things at, at for the most part Especially when people in front of you are flashing their fucking headlights on. Yeah, they didn't know. Uh, they didn't know the rules. <laughs> whole time or behind time. you. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was still it was still a fun experience. It was nice to get out. It 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 felt almost like a a full movie experience, and it, it was different than what we had been doing up until that time. Aside from watching New Mutants at the drive-in, but for the most part we're all just staying indoors and not doing anything. And then of course we we ended up renting the movie theater and going to see it with with a small group of friends, you know, to keep it safe and everything cuz that we we read that was the safest way to it. Do was it was really well done. I, I I'll give a credit to Century Theaters. They they did a really good job and I don't yeah. think anybody everyone was fine. Everyone's everyone's I I mean this sounds fun. Everyone's still alive, I guess. I, I, I think fine, that's I probably the only way no I would go sick. see yeah. a movie in theaters again <laughs> this year. So, you know, ideas for this year, but that that experience alone, also being able to see the movie fully and understand it better in an actual movie theater, I think helped the experience and made me want to add it onto this list solely for that. And also, I, I love the movie. I, I know, like James said, it's not perfect. I know there's really no character to get behind, no real character development much, but I, I think the whole character t- time, I think, is the character of the movie. And I know that's a cop-out, but whatever. Christopher Nolan still gives us, you know, a a visual. Visually, I think is is it's a masterpiece. Maybe the storytelling, maybe not so much, but I still enjoyed it, and that's why it's on my list. Nice. Uh, what about your number five, Nabil? 
So my number five is actually a play that was recorded <laughs> as a film. Okay, cool. Thanks, Nabil. Was... And on to the, like, the number four. Okay, so <laughs> Nabil uh, didn't uh, follow the instructions. That's cool. Okay. No, the, the film was Hamilton. He's like, it's a book I read. Um, <laughs> the new Hunger Games one. So check it out. Oh, I didn't know there was a new one. Um, yeah, so sorry. Uh, your choice yeah. is Hamilton, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The ten dollar founded father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter daughter to your union and the hope that you Yeah, so my choice was was Hamilton, and th- this was gonna be this was gonna have a theatrical release. I think it was actually gonna be released next year, yeah, this, um, or sometime this year. Yeah, actually. it was gonna be this year, sometime in, yeah. in like July, I think, twenty twenty one. So they released right. it in early. So they released it super early, um, got it out on on Disney Plus. I think it was one of their first uh, films that they kind of just brought up early. And I've always wanted to see the play. I've heard many great things about it, and it's it's wonderful. I, I know James, you're not a big fan of of plays in general. Um, no, I as you guys famously know, I tried watching this movie five times. I knocked yeah, out every time watching within like six minutes. About? Oh, that's a different film. That's that <laughs> nobody wants to ever see. Maybe because the, uh, yeah, I just yeah I couldn't do it for this one, man. I yeah. um I was bored out of my mind. I mm. actually, I tried though. Like you guys know, I tried. I you know because everybody hyped this up for me. This was one of those big ones in um, what June July? When did it come out? July? In July? July. Yeah, yeah, right before July fourth. And I remember everybody was watching this, and I was just like, okay, I'll give it a go. And uh, yeah, I Tanked. I don't. <laughs> I like opera, but I don't like plays. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is, and, and that's, they super, are that's super pretentious. That's the half white in me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> yeah, but I I enjoyed you know I enjoyed the play. I enjoyed the music a lot. Um, I I love the storytelling. I could see why it's gotten so much praise. Honestly, it made me want to see it live. Like I, I definitely when when things do eventually do get back to some kind of normalcy um, and they do have it uh, playing on Broadway again or at my local theater, I'll definitely be going over there to see it. But what the reason why it's even as high as it is is because I thought the production value of the shot, because it was the original cast and how they put it all together, um, they, they shot it three separate times at different angles to try to capture certain things. And you get to see a lot of things that you wouldn't have uh, ever be able to notice uh, watching it just from the stands and in, in, you know an actual uh, theater so I really like that and there's I've seen a lot of plays that have just kind of shot for you know on film to be able to see on TV or, or whatever it might be and this one definitely has that real real production value where you feel like you're in it whereas a lot of them just kind of like filming in a stage and get a couple camera angles this one you really almost feel like it is a movie and that's part of the reason why I really enjoyed it I thought it was just the play itself was great, but the way that they shot this and cut it together just made it uh, that much more enjoyable to see. 
Real talk, as, as much shit as we were giving you, I, I actually like this Bicknaville. I really enjoyed Hamilton. I thought it was great. I had fun watching it. I watched it with my nieces. And David Diggs fucking killed it. So that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good pick, man. Cool. So my number five pick, it was the film Driveways. Cody, don't come in here. Yes, I'm her sister. She passed away. No, I just need four days of electricity while I pack up her house. The other way. The other way. Is my son bothering you? No. Well, he's not supposed to talk to strangers, so... Good idea. So, Driveways was um, a film that was on a bunch of lists. It came out much earlier in the year, back in like uh, May, limited release. But I saw it on a. If you guys are gonna watch this, by the way, just sign up for the seven day free trial of Showtime, if you know what I mean, and just knock this out. Kind of unknown. It's a. It's my number five pick. It's basically because we've never talked about it. I know we're not supposed to talk about what it's about, but it's based about a little boy and this old veteran guy become friends because his mom is there. They're cleaning out their aunt's house that died and. They're kind of understanding and realizing things about their aunt, but the boy is a, like an introvert and he doesn't really connect with anyone except this very old veteran who is actually played by the um, the late Brian Dennehy. So if you guys uh, from I, this is random to say, but he's I know he's been in other movies, but he's in First Blood. He's the uh, police chief, you know. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. and I think he does such a good job as a grumpy old white guy in this fucking movie, dude. It is like, it was, it's basically, it's so, it's such, it's a very touching film because both, he, the young boy has like no friends and then the older guy is like, has a lot of regrets. He's a veteran, but he's, he, he's kind of estranged from his daughter and he, he's not close with his kids and stuff like that. And, and it, I mean, yeah, it's kind of predictable, not, but truthfully by the end, there's some stuff that happens that it's like, I did not think that would happen, but it's a very touching movie. It's about a friendship between two unlikely people. Uh, truth be told, the reason why I kind of did this is because the old guy kind of reminds me of my dad, which is strange <laughs> to say. But if you guys see it, you'll understand what I mean. You'll be like, oh, I see what you mean. And I think it's it's it was kind of comforting to see the the portrayal of that. And that it's not it doesn't always got to be like a racist white guy that's like, get these Asians off my lawn and shit, you know? But sometimes it, it, it it's a really good character piece on... A guy that's longing to connect with someone, and it's also about a kid that's that has missed out on a lot of life because of the way he is. So, uh, with that, that's that's why that's my uh, number five pick, and I, I highly recommend checking this one out. So, nice. All right, let's uh, move on to our number four picks. We'll start out with uh, Marco's number four pick. All right, my number four was Mank. Mank, it's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the story you know. Hello, everyone. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankowitz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 This is Herman Mankowitz, but we're to call him Mank. Mankowitz. Herman Mankowitz. So this movie was released in December on Netflix, and it stars Gary Oldman as the titular character Mank and 
basically it's the story of how the the movie Citizen Kane was made, but there's also a lot of other other subjects that are that are talked about or, or that are essentially I guess clued in in this movie like the the illusion of power for example where where Mank oh, yeah. feels like he's he's powerful because of the way he writes and he's able to take on these rich moguls that that are essentially you know taking over Hollywood and now are running for public office and and want to expand their power and he wants to take them on and for him to just sort of feel in a way sort of defeated throughout the movie and I like that I felt that it, it's it spoke to like modern times again it, it's something that that kind of touched me because of the way that not not in a bad way but you know what I mean but because oh, it, it touched you we know <laughs> I don't even know why you so mentioned it was that. too tempting he's spitting on his <laughs> hands right ladies and gentlemen one. what does this mean <laughs> but it, I mean the fact that it had to do with, with an election and you had one a one candidate who was very hopeful and 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 wanted to help out people with social programs and another who just wanted to make his rich friends rich and it was just so kind of meta in that way a lot of people think that this movie is a big giant stroke to to Hollywood but i i didn't see it in that way i saw some of the other aspects of this movie that kind of made it reach out to me not not to mention the performances were really were were really great. Gary Oldman does a great job at, at Mank. I th- I think that he's like I've mentioned this before. He's really good at immersing himself in the characters. Uh, Amanda Seyfried is in it. And she does a great job. Tom Burke, who plays Orson Welles, I think did a great job at portraying that Orson Welles as well because he looked just like him and he even had like some of his mannerisms down from like Citizen Kane. So I thought that that was kind of cool. But yeah, it it, it just it, it it was just such a a powerful movie to me because of all the other little subtleties that it dealt with. It wasn't just about the making of Citizen Kane. It it had so many other you know subplots to it that I felt were were relevant. And yeah, that's why it's on my list. Yeah, I like this one a lot. This is a fun movie. Um, I think it just runs a little too long, but that's kind of yeah. control all the time too. But I liked it a lot. I think it's really unique how they filmed it too. But not on my list. But uh, it was a contender for sure. So. And by the way, Nabil, you brought up this movie so many times to me, and you didn't watch this. I never finished the film. Yeah. I tried. I started it up a couple times, and I was like, eventually I'll be, get you to it. You got to be in the mood. Wow. And truthfully, don't break it up. See it all at once, man. I know. That's yeah, like that's a, the best way to watch that's, it. Well, that's exactly it is yeah. too. Every time I started, I'm like, I'm just not in the mindset for this yet. Don't watch it late at night, man. No, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't. Not. All right, uh, and actually, just a heads up: I will be skipping my number four pick because it is uh, going to be someone's number one pick. So, uh, Nabil, what is your number four? My number four pick is Uncle Frank. Happy birthday, Daddy Mac! Well, that one's wrapped up so nice; it must be from Frank. Electric shoe polisher. Next. I never knew why Daddy Mac was so mean to Uncle Frank. He was the kind of person I wanted to be. Smart and funny and considerate. You're going to be the person you decide to be. Or you're going to be the person everyone else tells you are. You get to choose. Can I come visit you sometime? Hi, I'm Frank Smith. Oh my god, Beth, nice meeting you. Frank, don't tell me you were coming. That's because he doesn't know. He doesn't know? Oh, well, okay, this is going to be very exciting. How do you know Uncle Frank? 
he's my roommate. And we've already reviewed this in one of our pods, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. Uh, we've already kind of shared our opinions on it. But I will say that the reason it's on my number four is just just because of the story, just the whole aspect of you know being a homosexual man um, set in that time period and really trying to show, I guess, what his niece is really what it was, just a different kind of lifestyle and also trying to help her be better. I, I thought that that was a good dynamic between Sophie Lewis and Paul Bettany. Um, I actually liked Sophie Lewis in this film, which in the last couple of films we talked about before, um, I always kind of found her a little annoying. So I thought her acting was really well done. But honestly, it was Paul Bettany for me and um, his, his, I guess, boyfriend, uh, who was played by Peter Magdisi, I think it's, it's pronounced. They they had a really good dynamic. I thought that, that those characters really kind of made, made it feel a bit relevant to today and still some issues that people deal with, especially being homosexual and, you know, trying to come out to your parents. I thought it was... A great twist at the very end. Don't <laughs> build this twist to your son. <laughs> twist, <laughs> hilarious and also very sad at the same time. And I thought that that was great. So, um, yeah, it just it was just an enjoyable film. Very simple plot, not over the top, but uh, it also kind of you know pulled at my heartstrings yeah. a little bit. So, great movie. Oh yeah, definitely. By the end, I, this is one of the ones uh, Mark like he missed out on. This is where Nabil and I took the reins for an episode and. Uh, I agree with you, Nabil. This was also oh, a my contender videos, for man. Yeah. <laughs> backyard wrestling, bro. It's not going to start stop <laughs> itself. Uh, I agree with you, Nabil. Really touching movie. It was a contender for me as well, and I I think just uh, it wraps up a little too conveniently at the end for me. All right. If I'm looking at it from a film point, but uh, it definitely pulls it the uh, for the feels, if 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 anything. So mm-hmm. agreed. It it was almost on my list just for the the same reasons. James, it's the reason I pulled it. I just everything else was great. Performances were great. I, I agreed with that in the bill. I actually like Sophia Lillis as, as an actor. I think she does great. You sh- you would actually like her in Sharp Objects, but I thought she did great in this one. Paul Bettany too, and yeah, like James said, the is that the ending was a little the, too Hollywood uh, for the me. Niece? Is that the niece, right? You're going to sum up the niece? Yeah, that's the niece, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's also in the, in the fucking... We'll talk about it in a sec, but I'm not okay yeah. with this. She's excellent in that show, by the way, so... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's get into our number three picks now. Marco is skipping because his number three pick is someone's number one pick, which was my number four pick, so... Ooh, the, the mystery. Uh, uh, let me go <laughs> first here to Bill. Me and you both have one. Uh, my pick is the... Uh, one of uh, Marco's honorable mentions, actually, uh, Pieces of a Woman. I wanted to stay at home. She sounds really good. Hi, baby. I wanted the baby to decide when she wanted to come. My daughter came into this world. for the time that she did. And I can't bring her back. So for this one, this is another film that, it, it, to me, it, it kind of went hand in hand with Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. And truthfully, seeing those back to back, is not. Uh, I don't recommend it. That was a dark time for me last week. <laughs> you went <Yikes>. heavy with it. <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, it's definitely one of those feels like, man, I feel like shit because the movie, like, let's go down the rabbit hole a little further, right? So then you, you, ju- you jump right back into it. 
No, but Pieces of a Woman, I think, is got some standout performances in it. It's a, it's very touching. Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. I mean, I know he's in the pretty negative spotlight right nowadays, but he absolutely kills in this movie, man. I gotta say, like, there are moments that are so real and so raw in this film that it's just like, it's hard to keep your eyes off it. Like, it, this is a movie that I started at like ten o'clock at night, and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm gonna finish it, and I just sat through and watched the whole fucking thing. So I was like, I have to know what happens, and it's one of those movies that it's there's a scene later on with uh, Vanessa Kirby's character and she's kind of, I don't want to spoil it. That's why Marco probably knows what I'm talking about, but she's talking yeah. about her child and it is such a touching moment, man. And it's, it's like, it's this movie ripped my heart out, stomped on it and threw it back in me. And that's how I would describe this film. And that's why ultimately this is why I ranked this film this high up here. This was one of my, kind of my later ads, but um, it is very deserving of the number three spot. So that's a very okay. good pick, man. It I it it almost made my list. The performances were just great. I think that Shia and Elizabeth Kirby had great chemistry, and Elizabeth Kirby also just she killed it with her performance, man. I I I love it's her Vanessa, as an actor. I think she's Kirby, phenomenal. Vanessa Kirby. I'm sorry, okay. I called her Elizabeth. Yeah. My my just, apologies. Vanessa Kirby. Just nobody just, just just don't want people to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, she she is incredible, man, and they're. Like James said, they're just these scenes where that just like cut you to pieces, man. Where you can just totally like just empathize with her, even though you you're not probably experiencing anything that she's going through in, in this movie. It, it's still, it, man, it yeah. still hurts. And there, just there is so, a some of the thirty there's a thirty minute birthing scene like from beginning to end, and it's shot to make it. I know that they actually said that it's it's six shots total. It took them like three days to do it, but it's shot to make it look like it's all one shot. And it yeah. is like one of the most tense things I've seen in quite some time, and um, it, it's it's really what I didn't mean to take away from you there, Marco. No, 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 it's fine. They, it was it's they, one of those things that is just the imagery in this film is just really well done. So they do a, it. The movie does a great job at capturing the emotion of of the characters and whatever situation they're in, whatever they're going through. It just has such realism to it. That you're like, if you've gone through something like that at, at some point, it's probably going to trigger those feelings and be like, oh shit, I've been through that. And it's also shot very beautifully, man. The, the, the visuals in this movie are just done so well. So yeah, awesome pick, man. You know, I saw the, I saw the trailer for this film and as soon as I watched the movie, I was uh, the trailer of it. I just looked at my, uh, at my wife and said, this is a film I'm going to see by myself one day, but not anytime <laughs> soon. So it's going to have to push play. Early in the morning. I mean, it's one around. of those films that's going to make you uncomfortable. I'd, I'd recommend yeah. still trying to watch it. Maybe no, definitely it's something yeah. I don't want to see. It just, yeah. it looked like it was going to be a, a, a roller coaster of emotion, and I, you know, wasn't quite in the mental state to do that yet. Yeah. But my number three pick is actually Palm Springs. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are. Standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. 
this is one of the uh, films that I was pleasantly surprised by seeing with uh, Andy Samberg being just, you know, funny, of course, but it was also, he was very emotional. It was very uh, different, I would say. It's, it's you know, it's a Groundhog Day-esque film, but the whole way that they tell it, stuck at a wedding, stuck in a desert with uh, his, his counterpart that he gets involved in in fact two people which was even funnier that he got people captured into the whole situation <laughs> um i thought that the whole premise of it the way that they kind of took the idea of the groundhog day film and added a little twist to it that made it feel like its own movie was great andy sandberg was perfect in this movie i think uh just every from from start to finish on what was going on there was plenty of seriousness very there was drama in there is a bit of sadness uh and then there's just plenty of comedy that just had me laughing throughout the movie as well and it was just a very enjoyable movie throughout throughout having it ranked so high i think it was just excellent writing the performances were very strong the way uh, the film ended kind of left in the unknown was really well done as well and it was it wasn't too long you know, you could have this film drag out for very long and just try to, to hone in onto the specifics of the reasoning of things that are happening, everything. I think that it just was was just a very well done film and within the time constraints and, and everything was just kind of solid throughout. So I, I really just found it still memorable to this day. I still think of some of the jokes and I think it's hilarious and I, I've definitely, I haven't given it another watch but because I don't really want to kind of take that away from me but I am looking forward to getting another chance to see it because I think that it was just, in general, just very well written as well. So uh, Palm Strings is a definite enjoyment of mine. Yeah, Nabil, awesome. I love this That pick. was, my, like I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I like it too. This was a uh, honorable mention for me and uh, mm-hmm. solid stuff. Yeah, I'm sad I didn't make my list but few others knocked it out, but I agree. Andy Samberg, I think this is one of his best performances. And even Kristen Mil- uh, Miliotti, I think she did great, too. I've only seen her in just small roles here and there, but she did amazing in this one, too. All right, let's uh, move on to our number two picks here. I'll start us out. My number two pick was the Pixar film Onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But... Times change. I'm a mighty warrior. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. (gasps) No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like, back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad. So, Onward was a film, I think, for this one specifically, too. Um, it was very, uh, very... I connected to it. I know it's about fucking some elves trying to get the other half of their dad, but there's more to it than that, obviously. But yeah. And it is one of the last two films I saw in theaters before the uh, pandemic hit, so I guess that's why also it's one of those special kind of feels for me because Janelle and I got... To, this is actually Janelle and I's last film we saw in theaters together. Uh, not really. We saw Tenet, I guess, but everybody was in there for that. But Pre-pandemic. Yeah, pre-pandemic, I guess. But um, solid movie, beautiful artwork, beautiful animation, uh, this is why, I mean, it was Onward and Soul are both two movies that have different meanings and in a way have kind of a 
clear conscience and about death in a way. And I think Onward for me resonated as losing someone and a film that has a message about what would you do to get someone back for like 24 hours. And not just that too. It's also about two brothers finding out that they have a lot more in common and the things like, I guess it's also about how sometimes siblings may realize that sacrifices that other people go through and the pain that they go through without knowing about it as well. I think that hits really hard for this film. And, um, I really liked it. Great voice acting too. Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. So I highly recommend Yeah, this was my honorable mention or one of them. Great, great pick, man. So my number two pick was Ma Rainey's Black Bottle. A one, a two, a you know what to do. This would be an empty world without the blues. I try to take that emptiness and fill it up with something. But they want to call me Mother Blues. That's all right with me. It don't hurt none. (laughs) So I put this on my list. Uh, Sole purpose, Chadwick Boseman. He was, I think, the standout of this film. This this film itself is is essentially... um, set up as a stage play as well it's one of those films where they do have a couple set pieces but it's very much in a play setting you're only got a i think like three different unique scenes Uh, viola davis is great in the movie as well but chadwick boseman just steals the show he's got a few uh he's he's got a couple of good monologues he's got one particular one near kind of three quarters of the way into the film which is very powerful and honestly like that's that was the biggest and most memorable thing for me throughout the film is just Chadwick Boseman and his character. You hated him, but you also felt for him. You could have understood him, but you also, especially near when it ends, just you can see the the mistakes he's he's been uh, that that led up to that uh, moment. And it's very powerful stuff. I really felt for for him, and I could see the emotion and feel that f- uh, from his performance. Uh, I believe it was the last performance, at least on film. I'm not sure if he so, has yeah. one more coming out. Yeah, but it it was his performance is very memorable in that film, and I wouldn't be surprised if definitely if not nominated. You know, I, I would hope that he wins something as well. But such a just for that alone great film and worth watching yeah uh i i enjoy this one but just way too much sweating in this shit dude everyone's sweating it's, <laughs> it's hot you know i was it's watching this movie and i was like james well, is not gonna be able to handle the sweat i was like can is someone he, throw a fucking that, towel on these people Fuck. dude that that they made that room look or that studio look so hot i started to sweat yeah. myself and i was in just yeah. a t-shirt and i was I like thought, I, I mean sweaty? i thought it was my whole issue with that movie, Nabil, is just that I don't I don't really get where they're getting at with it. Like, much... I guess Denzel Washington has bought, like, this playwright, because uh, he, he died a few years back, but... Right. He's bought, like, all his plays, so he's 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 planning to make them all in a movie, apparently, and he mm-hmm. did Fences did. already, so I, I thought Fences hit a lot harder than this movie, especially, mm-hmm. maybe just because I just like Denzel a lot, and I think the... You know, you can only watch Viola Davis with Snot running down her nose so many times before you're like, fuck it, give her the Oscar, I guess, so... Uh, it's just one of those movies where I think it's really good performances, but just the story itself for me just didn't work. So, yeah, I I like the pick. It was it was a solid movie. I think that it it just shows what what these performers had to go through just to get the art out there. How how like they had to go through like 
so many obstacles just to get the recording of that one song and, and these people just wanted to exploit their talent and it even shows that throughout like the movie as well too like all the little right. like I guess I, all, like I said all the obstacles that they go through and, and, and that prevents them from doing this this one thing and it kind of just, just shows just how ridiculous that is just because you know it's you know a, a group of black people trying to record a song during a a very racist time so i i still felt that that story resonated to today so good good pick and on to my number two charm city kings you knew to baltimore you gotta go to the ride the ride you don't know nothing do you the ride every sunday in the summer everybody with a bike show out as bikes far as you can see pull the bike back a wheel stick straight up so it look like the hands of a clock when they hit midnight What's that? That's Midnight Click. They got the best bikes, the best tricks, the best riders. They just the best. The splits. Midnight Click legend. So that's who you want to be down with then? So this movie came out on HBO Max, and it's basically the story of uh, of a young black blackhead named Mouse who is still mourning the loss of his brother that uh, died in a horrible accident, and. He's basically trying to like live up to his brother's image, who was, I guess, very big in the underground racing scene in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. And through that, he gets through some mischief with his two other friends and gets in way over his head and has to deal with the consequences of that. And that's pretty much the plot in a nutshell without really spoiling too much. But I, I loved just how powerful this movie was with its performances, with how Jahi D. Ayo Winston, which I hope I pronounced that correct, how he portrayed the character of Mouse as, as this this kid that's really trying to reach his dreams and, and trying to get out of a, a poor area of the city and try to be successful, but at the same time, sort of like uh, honor the memory of his brother, which isn't really as clean as he remembers it. Overall, it just kind of shows, you know, kind of how social injustice and how economic inequalities affect minorities and, and what they're subjected to do in order to survive, in order to keep entertained, and how it's it's kind of like a, it's a cyclical struggle for them to you know, move beyond just their small, you know, inner circles and, and not, you know, be able to reach their dreams as easily as, as other people with a better financial status. But man, there's this, there's this scene where mouse has with his mom uh, played by Tiana Paris, where it's just so like gut wrenching where he's just looking for the affection and the love of his mom. And it just sort of like broke me the fuck down because I've been there when you're just like in a rough spot and even though like your parents may be pissed off at you for whatever you've been been doing they just in that moment offer you some love right there in your darkest moments and I was fucking bawling my eyes out and uh, the movie just kind of really resonated with me with how Mouse had his relationships with his friends and and with his with his mom and I felt all that just kind of made the movie stand out to me and and i felt like it, it really deserved to be on, on my list this one actually almost made my number one spot which really like my number one and my number two we've mentioned this before could get swapped out but it is a a very like it it's an incredible movie in my opinion 
I it did it obviously did not hit me that hard. I I like I thought it was okay, but uh, a good pick. I think I don't think a lot of people have seen this film. Um, yeah, I don't think think got a lot of advertising too. So, um, but definitely yeah, I hadn't heard of it until you said something. Definitely worth a watch though. So, uh, let's move on now to our number one picks. So Nabil's number one pick, we actually are all on ours. Uh, I want to say that's my number four. And Marco's number three is Nabil's yeah. number one. So with that, uh, Nabil, since you chose his number one, I'll let you uh, start it off. Um, and then we'll just chime in a little bit here with you. Sure. So my number one pick is Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we just need to film Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm going to be like a click track. You can play to me. So, of course, we've all reviewed this on a previous pod as well, and so we can give you the full breakdown over there to get everybody's opinion. But what sold it as my number one film is the, the entire premise of this movie, specifically about a man who suddenly finds himself with the loss of hearing and is trying to find himself. And in most of these kind of films, you would expect that, you know, oh, he's going to find himself, he's going to make things better, he's going to adapt, and... You know, there'll be a little bit of tragedy, but then there's going to be a whole, you know, nice button up ending of it and everything's going to be happy. But that's not how this film goes. You know, it makes it it breaks it down to a real harsh reality. You know, the, there's a realization of the character of saying what he wants to do with his life and how he wants to go about it. The decision he makes and having to live through that uh, decision and alienating people around him that have tried to help him and have seen potential in him. And then trying to go back to an old life and seeing that that old life isn't really the right thing for him. People around him are moving on too. And kind of put himself alone in the world trying to, uh, you know, see what's going to be next with, with what he has going on now. And that whole plot was, was I think, very unique of the films that I've I'd seen and just really resonated. It, it felt very real. I feel like I could... You know, I've never experienced, obviously, anything like that. But just seeing that, I feel I at least had some stronger connection of what somebody might be going through, at least visually, to see what what was going on. Riz Ahmed, obviously, it was a great performance, as we talked about before. But it's it's just uh, very... It, it really was a touching story and something where you, you just don't know what you would do if you were in that situation. And I think that this film really tries to show, you know, the individual of uh, individualism of the character and what he was trying to get his old life back. And at the same, you know, it real finally, unfortunately at the end realizes that that's not something that's going to be. So it, it, it was, uh, it was the most unique of the films that I'd seen. Or what about you, uh, James? Yeah, no, uh, this is my uh, number four. I liked it a lot. At a certain point, it was even like my number two. So this was definitely a movie where it was hard for me to place it exactly. I just wanted stuff that was a little more emotional toward me. But 
I like this movie a lot. I think Riz Ahmed is the uh, lock-in for best uh, actor this year. I think uh, it's a phenomenal movie. It's got a lot of great moments in it. I love the scenes where he's learning the sign language and kind of becoming part of the community. But then it takes a, a, a turn from that point too, and the realization with his girlfriend at the end too is really touching. So, yeah, solid stuff. Yeah, I agree with with what both you guys said. It's a very, it's a very good movie. Very well done. Very well made. The realism again is there. It's it's my number three pick. It was almost my my number two, but I connected obviously with my number two a little bit more than this one. Still, like it 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 really does a good job at again immersing you into into this world, into this experience, and making you feel what the characters are feeling. It it also has that that indie vibe to it, where like the camera angles are used to kind of make you feel like you're there with with these actors and like what you said James when when Riz Ahmed is right there in the community kind of becoming you know part of the community and everything those are really great scenes there's that powerful scene yeah. where he's he's talking to the head of the community because he's done something that he's not supposed to and that that scene still even just thinking about it kind of like wells me up it's just such a powerful scene shot so well performed so well and yeah, you know what? I, I hope Riz Ahmed does does get the best actor award for this because I mean it's it's well deserved. But you probably won't pick him on the Oscar pick. I'm assuming. <laughs> we'll have to see, James. We'll Marco's like that guy <laughs> from Hamilton. Sorry, Bradley. I, I still Cooper. remember. I still remember the movie I had to he watch. He changed it last <laughs> minute too, and I was like, "Dude, he did he it, fucking change his pick?" He's like, hey, 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 what a twist. I'm going to win. <laughs> I really thought I was. I know. No, I he was like, lock in, bitch. I was All like, I, just had a single, I saw a single tear. I was like, Yeah, what? I still remember my punishment movie I had to watch. I don't even remember anymore. That was two years ago, right? It was Fantastic <laughs> No, that was last Four, year. Sir. Well, I hear two years. No. All right. Uh, let's get back to this list. Marco, what is your number one movie? My number one movie is Soul. What the? What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Howdy, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! So this movie came out on Disney Plus on Christmas Day, and I watched it with my mom and and my younger niece. And this this movie is life affirming. I think it is the perfect movie to come out towards the end of 2020 to in, inspire some sort of hope in everyone and show a light at the end of the tunnel. It's about a, a man who's been lost this whole time in his life trying to pursue something that he'll never really achieve or that's not really meant for him. And he's been missing out on a lot of things in life that he starts to realize in in the afterlife, which this isn't really a spoiler. We even talked about this in our podcast, but 
in the trailer you you find out that the that the main character dies because he wasn't paying attention where he was going and so he falls down a manhole but he's he's kind of relearning how to live and how to really appreciate the small things even in really tough situations which again is something that we actually had to face and actually had to consider throughout all of 2020 and we really had to some of us really had to kind of do a self-reflection and see like again am i really where i'm supposed to be could i be doing something else am i is this really where i want to you know see myself in the next 10 years and it, and it kind of really inspires all those thoughts and i i felt like because of that it 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 really in a nutshell put like all the feelings that I had in 2020, like into one single movie, and it worked for me. I think Jamie Foxx did a fantastic job as Joe. I, I even mentioned in the pod that I haven't seen him in a good movie in a really long time. You know, Electro really left a bad taste in my mouth, and apparently he's going to come back. And Tina Fey did a great job. Again, I don't think like I, I know this movie's getting backlash because you know they're the whole Tina Fey thing, but I don't think that that is really what the movie's trying to do, what everyone is saying. I, I feel like this movie's message is really like, you know, in, enjoy your life, you know, really like look into like the small things. And even in myself, I had to, I, I had to really like ask myself like, man, should I really like be that bummed out with everything that happened in 2020? Or should I really enjoy what I can with what I have, you know, being able to like, do this with my with my friends and do this podcast still being able to do like netflix parties prime video parties like you know like really getting like closer with my family and stuff like that in 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 these times of needs and i felt like this movie kind of really resonated with me in that way so that's why it's my number one nice yeah i like that one um movie quite a bit i just uh i think onward connected with me a little bit more so that's why but yeah that makes sense and that was it was a tough choice between this one and and, and kicking onward as an honorable mention. All right, so uh, my number one pick, and it is Marco's number six pick, is the Netflix film The Half of It. Give it up next for Ellie Chu. The good thing about being different in a town like this is that no one expects you to be like them. I'm 17. I live in Squamish with my dad. I run a business, writing essays for people. I guess I just never thought I'd need anyone else. Hey, hold up. $10 for three pages. No, I'm not trying to cheat. What's this? A letter. Maybe you can make me sound smart. Dear Astor Florence, I'm in love with you. Ooh. These hallways are murder. I'm Ellie Chu. Yeah, I know. You want a letter about love? I'll write you a letter about love. So I saw this one uh, early on. A friend of mine actually recommended it because she knows that I like um, coming-of-age movies, I guess. I'm a sucker for these types. It's kind of my bread and butter. So The half of it is a bit of a twist to it all, though. I think I, t- I probably talked about it on um, on something, on one of the podcasts probably. But this movie is about a... It's basically just a quick, quick synopsis so you understand what the fuck I'm talking about in Marco 2. It's about a girl that basically is writing a letter for this jock guy because he 
he wants to express his feelings toward a chick that he likes, and then the girl, her name's Ellie, falls in love with the uh, other girl. Her name's Aster. So how strange, right? Why would that be my number one movie? But I really <laughs> like this one a lot. It is very touching. There are moments where Ellie is like holding back from her true potential because of something that's kind of wrong with her father. And I, uh, it, it, there's some really touching moments near the end where she realizes like she has to do go off and do some stuff on her own. And sometimes it's about cutting off and doing what you think is best for yourself. And I really liked her interactions and um, the chemistry with her and the guy, Paul, played by Daniel Deermere. But it's so random because the two characters do not seem like they'd be the type of people that work well together, but eventually they do become really close friends. And I, I really like the aspects of their friendship and it blossoming. And then things happen in between. There's a lot of drama. There's obviously a lot of drama going on in between this. And yeah. by the end of the film, it's, it's a very hopeful movie. It's a very heartwarming tale. And it's about uh, two people that, like I said, are unlikely friends. I guess that's kind of a theme for mine list here a little bit people becoming friends out of nowhere that you wouldn't expect and um he's kind of a doofus too the paul guy it's kind of funny yeah. there's a part where <laughs> he, like he chases after a fucking car because like they always pick on her and shit it's i mean it's kind of fucked up but it's kind of hilarious at the same time because they call her like choo choo and all this stuff like that because of her name kind of you know somewhat racist now that i've said it out loud yeah yeah, yeah but uh up. but that was the point of it yeah. to kind of emphasize that yeah you know and it's um it's one of those things though where it 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 hit me so hard back in May. Obviously, it's it's been my number one since May. So it is not it's held pretty strong at that point too. So that's my number one. Yeah, this was recommended to me by by James actually after you know he was making his list and I got curious and I saw it a couple days ago and it's it's a very well done movie. It's like James said, it's a coming age movie. I I feel like Leia Lewis does a great job. Uh, I haven't seen her in anything else, and I, I think she does Neither, a great I job think. as playing Illy yeah. Chu, this sort of conflicted character that's, like James said, sort of holding herself back for personal reasons. I actually liked that that subplot better than the main plot. I felt like the main plot was a little you know, too generic, but I liked what, what they built off of it, the fact that two people that would never have become friends end up seeing that, hey, we actually like have some things in common and we should be cool with each other and stuff like that. And it kind of shows, kind of opens you up to go outside your your comfort zone or your normal click and not always, you know, judge a book by its cover. You know, you never know how a person can be unless you try to get to know them. And the whole, the whole plot was kind of silly too, but it, the the performances and the dialogue and the realism of the dialogue worked for me. There's some really great... Uh, cinematography as well too there there's a scene where the love interest Aster takes Ellie to this pond and it's such a beautifully shot scene and I think that scene and the like little heart-to-heart talk that Ellie has towards the end with her dad as well as something something else that happens towards the end that I'm not going to spoil is what made me put it onto my list like uh, the, the amalgam of all those things I just really enjoyed it and was like you know what i'm putting on my list it's, it's up there because of the fact that it was just so well done you know and it's a it's an an inclusive cast as well too yeah definitely so that's it guys that's our top 10 picks so we that's 2020 it's a, as you can tell as if you've followed along like i said i i probably reference our list if not, well you can wake up now. Here. we're back 
Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> we made it through the end. And Bill chose a play. What? Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. I mean, all joking aside, it's a it's. Every one of us has different tastes, as you could tell, you know, and um, uh, the lists reflect that. So uh, now into some of the funner, some funner things. I can't speak English. Uh, some of the fun things I always ask you guys every year. What was the worst film you saw? I'm gonna just answer for Marco because we saw it on uh, practically the first day of the year. Uh, we saw The Grudge in theaters, <laughs> and uh, I still can't believe we saw that movie because it fucking sucked. I, I still couldn't believe it, it was just last year that we saw it because we were talking about 2020 and you know how weird the year was, and we talked yeah. about what what movie it's we one saw. Of those, it's one of those films, too, where like everybody was talking in the theater, but we were okay with that because we were also talking. Because it was one of those things where everyone, no, I think bad. people left, I think. Did people get up and leave? They're like, this I, fucking I sucks. think so. I th- yeah, I think people left then, but if we didn't, you know, if we hadn't paid the money already, I think we would have been like, "I want to get the fuck out of here, man." In, in a nutshell, like, this movie's fucking trash. Do not yeah. waste your time watching. This I saw movie. a lot of garbage movies this year. Don't get me wrong, Nabil's pick is up there too. Um, but I mean, like, like Capone and all this shit too, and the what the wedding repeat movie. Forgot about that one. Uh, but we actually but wasted time and one. money going to a movie theater for this one. Yeah, we drove to Napa so to go see this too. Oh, you guys shit, aren't from my area. Did. That's like a 25 minute drive too to go see this. Uh, and I think it was like a seven o'clock showing, and we got it like at ten. And I was like, "Oh fuck, man, kill me." So, Nabil, uh, I understand uh, yours is a HBO Max classic. So, yeah, <laughs> classic is the word. <laughs> uh, mine it was Super Intelligence, and uh, let me tell you, you got Melissa McCarthy, garbage. You got uh, Bobby Cannavale, garbage. garbage. <laughs> you got Sam Richardson. And uh, Karan Sony playing the same kind of characters they always play, garbage. And then you got James Corden, who is just a big flaming pile of garbage. I don't understand why this film was made. I'm very upset about it. Because I'll tell you why. We, <laughs> it's because the director uh, is married to Melissa McCarthy, and I think he was also the one that uh, did uh, Tammy or some shit like that, which was also fucking yeah. terrible. Terrible, right? terrible. And she, you know, what's what's upsetting is that we saw that film Spy, she was great in. We saw that Muppet film that she did, which she was great in. Oh, yeah, that so, was a good one, actually. Yeah, she funny. does good films. She, she, it, good comedies, you know, she she's really good. And her and her when husband. it's written well. Well, I guess so. Maybe we need a better writer on it because when they're putting films together, it's shit. And I'm very disappointed by it because even with the trailer, I was hoping for something a little bit better. Somewhat, I will say the one. Yeah, go mm, ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I'm just, I would say the one takeaway from it. Yeah, it was uh, by, uh, what's his name? Brian uh, Tyree Henry from Atlanta. He was good in this no, film. He, he was, wasn't. He was, no, he, he for, wasn't. For the characters around him, no. he was okay. Yeah. It, no. just, it just shows God that anyone that can be shitty with poor writing and poor directing. Really. Fault and grace for movie, Bobby Cabanelli, was, too. Oh, God. For, who, who was in Boardwalk Empire oh, and HBO, which is a phenomenal show, and he does great in it. So now he's just doing trash. But he's he's had a track record of doing shitty comedies. Every yeah, once this is said. not his first. Trust me on that. Yeah. Uh, this movie it was recommended to me by someone as well. Really? Yeah, fucking Ali Hassan. I'm gonna call you out right now. Thanks for <laughs> wasting an hour and forty five minutes of my fucking life, dude. <laughs> Terrible movie. So. Oh shit. He was like, I just want your opinion on it, and I watched it, and I was like, Is he fucking kidding me? I was texting the Bill when I was watching. It. That's one of the movies where I did not put the phone away. Because if yeah. it's if it's shitting on me this hard, I was like, yo, I gotta, I gotta, I was like, did you have you seen this? I was like, what the hell? It's like two movies, by the way. It it changes it halfway is. through. It's like now we're a rom com. 
So yeah, it makes no sense well, what they were trying to do. All right, let's get away from the worst films. Uh, what would you guys most disappointing films? Uh, Marco, you can take it away. I mean, you and I have the same one. So that was Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Wow, I I know I still gave it a very very soft yay, but dude, th- this movie there just should, no was so like hyped up. <laughs> we were fuck, just <laughs> we were so excited to see this one to do this one to review it. We're like, all right, here we go. Going to have another really strong DC film, and it fell short. Very bad. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a podcast for it last pod. Just listen to that. I mean, you'll you'll see why it was the most disappointing. We haven't had a big blockbuster in a long time for me. Personally, that's why I was like, oh, this should be mm-hmm. fun. And no, it's just a big miss. So, And then, Nabil, yours yeah, is mine, Tenet? <laughs> mine is Tenet. How fucking and, dare and you? <laughs> I have, but it was on your mentions. honorable mention. I mean, yeah. how okay. fucking dare you? The, <laughs> the film itself was fine, but my thing is, I was very. There was only two films I was very hyped to see in 2020, and it was this one and No Time to Die. And when I when I saw Tenet, you know, between Christopher Nolan trying to get people to die out over there to see the film, <laughs> and then, you know, when I actually went to the theater to go, Wait, have watch you only it, seen it once? I've only seen it once. Okay. And I know I need to see I, a few more I almost things. feel like I'd be in the same boat as you if I hadn't seen it so many times. Because after the first one, I was, I mean, on the original review, I even I was like, I'm not sure about this. So Yeah. And it's not that, uh, you know, the film was, again, fine for a Christopher Nolan film. I get what he's trying to do with it. But just, I saw it and I was just like, this was not worth it. Not worth I could have waited. I, yeah, I could have watched it. And I think that was part of the reason why, because I was really <laughs> hesitant to go into theater. So that experience took away from me as well. And it, it just was disappointing. I agree with Wonder Woman, also very disappointing film. But just with my experience of going to have, to have having to see Tenet in the theater, uh, and then what I got out of it, it wasn't uh, it, it was ultimately just a, a, a failure. But... It was good enough to be a honorable mention, so you know, conflicts. I guess I don't know. What the fuck? I felt conflicted. It's fine. It. You got to play on your list. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, what is your guys' most surprising film? Uh, I'll start with mine. Uh, mine was Sonic the Hedgehog. It actually, from the early pick. trailers, it didn't look too good. Yeah, it looked terrible, quite frankly, and uh, I think it was pretty fucking enjoyable. I mean, yes, it was a, a Sonic, a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but truthfully, <laughs> that's why it surprised me. And I was like, okay, James Marsden. I was dis- surprised it was still out 2020. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like it yeah. was a film that came out last year, guys. Yeah, we had discount Chris Pratt on it. So, I mean, it was fun. So, <laughs> uh, mine, was, mine was Borat's subsequent movie film. We actually saw this as a group, we saw it on Amazon Prime Video as a party. It's just Prime we, Video, sir, but yes. Yeah, we saw it on Prime Video. Whatever. They're watch not sponsoring party? us. Watch okay. party. I'll right? get it right when they sponsor us. Yeah, about we that? Watch, watch party. Watch party. I think right. Yeah, it's built and in. Actually, I, it's an official one, so it actually worked really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I didn't think that it would be that good. I'm like, how relevant can this shit be? And yeah. it took me by surprise. I was laughing my ass off. The movie was very well written. The comedy stood, you know, stood well, and it was very relevant to today. And it was a nice kind of like poke at what was going on in in our world Definitely. at the time. And it was fun watching it with these guys. It was it was kind of cool. It kind of felt like a more lively experience. It's a great memory, and it, man, it almost made my list. It got knocked out by a few other movies, but thought I'd mention it here in my surprising film. I think I think it helps too for the comedies like this, especially with our sense of humor. I think that actually kind of um, 
made this funnier for me too, Marco. Because like truthfully, yeah. there's no way I could watch this with like even like my parents or anyone else out here because they I don't think they'd be laughing as hard as you guys. And I think that added to my uh, enjoyability of this one. I had a lot of fun doing this too. Yeah, same. That was a good time. My most surprising film was uh, actually Happiest Season, and obviously it's on my top ten. And the <laughs> James, give me this look here. The the reason it was uh, a surprising, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Nabil, cool. Thanks. It was it was surprising. Just uh, rewind twenty five minutes. You guys hear what he said about it? <laughs> I just didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. And like I said, it was it was a good feeling for for the holidays, you know, but doing the film cheating. itself. <laughs> something that I didn't enjoy, and I just wasn't expecting much out of it. So it it was a very good surprise. Yeah, no, I I agree too. It is much better than I thought it was gonna be. Because I mean, even the premise of that film, it's like okay, but and truthfully, right. it it didn't. Uh, it wasn't as predictable as I thought it was gonna be too. So I like that too. Yep. Uh, so what did you guys think of uh, our lists overall? Talking to you guys, not the. I mean, the viewers too. You can comment, but I mean, what did you guys? Uh, anything surprising you? I mean. Other than the Bills' uh, utter refusal to <laughs> include things like Tenet and Happy Season already, but I mean, refusal. He just, you know, put a play. Well, I could tell you, put a play. I thought your guys' lists were very eclectic. Put a, uh, put a play. I, I'm a little bit surprised by Marco putting Bad Boys for Life on there. Not that it was a bad film. Just was like, huh, interesting to put it uh, in his top 10. Uh, I will say what I wasn't surprised by was seeing a coming-of-age film as James' number one as the half of it. So, you know, on brand over there. Actually, I have a couple coming-of-age films technically in that list. That's so. true. <laughs> if you want to look at it, there's there's a few, actually, if you really want to break it down. There's like three, but some might say four, but yeah. But I think we had a well-rounded list. I think you guys especially got the... Uh, where you you especially... Uh, you guys exposed me to some other films that I hadn't even seen a lot of advertisements on. So it was a good way for me to, to make sure that I was keeping well-rounded. Nice. Yeah, I, I felt that our lists were... You said it best, James, where it, it was a reflection of our tastes of what yeah. we experienced throughout the last year and, and how... We dealt with it, and I, I kind of like that. I like how we each had our own little, our own little twist to it. And uh, even watching or looking at your guys' list kind of helped me, you know, look into mine and really think about my my picks and and what they meant to me, and also inspired me to you know put in the work and watch a few more films to see if they would knock out one or another film. And it turns out that they did. But yeah. Um, I wasn't uh, wasn't too surprised by our lists, but there there were a few, you know, eh, Hamilton. But no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> just kidding. But Play. but yeah, overall, like I was I was very satisfied with our lists. Nabil sent me his number ten. At first, was a local play he had watched in February. I was like, I don't think that counts, Nabil. <laughs> He's like, I saw it though at a theater. No, not that theater, Nabil. Uh, no, uh, just like I say every year, uh, I could have uh, written Nabil's list myself. So let's move <laughs> on to the next question. I'm just kidding. No, um, no, I liked your guys' list. You guys got solid movies. They're all good recommendations. It's a reflection of 2020. As I said, too, if you look at them, I put down like where we saw them and how you saw them. And a lot of these are all from home. So, I mean, anybody could, at this point, all are, I think I believe all the films we have on here can be seen from home. None of them are like a theater-exclusive right. viewing or yeah. anything like that. So I think Tenet um, is on HBO Max, Nabil. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so real quick here too, there are other things that we did, not just films. 
Um, so there are other forms of media that we uh, briefly touched upon or was uh, not not just briefly touched upon, but it's something that we went through with 2020. Uh, I'm mostly focusing here on just TV shows and video games. So we're going to just let you know from each of us kind of what we went through here. And like uh, I'm assuming these are all things that we recommend, I hope, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> so um just put in a list just to put on a list guys. just do the list just to be like this is what i fucking saw check out my list uh i tried to uh, for my list here i mean like for instance marco i know spoiler i know you put in like better call saul uh the boy season two i tried to and rick and morty uh season four part two i tried to just include on this one like stuff that just came out in 2020 outside of yeah. uh mandalorian season two so these all actually premiered in 2020 they're not like the second season of shit and stuff like that but uh, a little-known show I watched. If you're looking for a good comedy, I watched it. was called Aquafina as uh, Nora from Queens. It was a show on uh, Comedy Central. It actually got renewed for season two. It's basically it's r- r- loosely based on Aquafina's life and uh, about how she lived lives in New York. She's trying to get, move out of her parents' place. I thought it's hilarious. Check that one out. Lego Masters is a show that I watched with my parents, actually, about these. It was kind of like a reality show where they're building Legos. I know it sounds cheesy as all fuck, but it was on Fox. But uh, I actually I recall the show. <laughs> I liked yeah. it quite a bit. It, the, uh, the only thing is, like, when they ever did, like, character pieces in it. Yeah, the character pieces on it were so corny. I literally would cringe. I'm like, fuck, man. Uh, I'm Not Okay With This is a show on Netflix that unfortunately got canceled, so... If you like it, I think it's a solid Carrie-esque uh, sci-fi horror film, uh, TV show, I guess is where I'm going at with it. Solar Opposites is a uh, show from the creators of Rick and Morty that's on Hulu. It's Season 2 is actually about to drop, too. I think it's absolutely hilarious about aliens living pick. in um, like the suburbs and shit like that. Yeah, uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, we've talked about that before. Solid horror f- uh, series again. I don't think it's as good as The Haunting of Hill Manor, but um, I think it's a good follow-up. Uh, Mandalorian season two, uh, enough said. It's it was awesome. Uh, the one that I really want people to check out is Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun on Netflix. This show is absolutely <laughs> fucking hilarious. It is a sketch comedy show from these three Australian guys that I went down like the biggest rabbit hole with these fucking dudes, and I binge watched <laughs> this. As you can tell, it came out on my birthday too. I watched it all like the night of my birthday, like just knocked it all out and shit. Nice. And Mini series wise, real quick, Tiger King was a big one this year. I think we all kind of watched Tiger King. Uh, I think people kind of forget that that came out right at the cusp of all this shit too. Right when we were, we're all getting locked forgettable. up. <laughs> it is, it is, but I mean, it was. I liked it though. It got us it all was, hooked. It was, yeah. it was, it was. I mean, if we're going off your your uh, code here of stuff, like it's, it was. It reminds me of a good time of like you know just everybody yeah. getting on that fucking social media and making fun of it and all that stuff. So. And it was True. generally like a funny like take on like man, white people are crazy. Uh, one I would highly recommend too is the miniseries Small Axe. The Marco mentioned Mangrove. That's the first episode. Quote. I'm putting it in quotes, but truthfully, they're like movies. There's five of them. All five are really good. Uh, I think the standout is definitely the first three episodes, though. The fourth and fifth aren't bad, but the first three are really really good, and I I think those are kind of must-watch TV. And recently, something just what I've been watching that came out near the end uh, in December is The Stand on CBS All Access based on the Stephen King uh, miniseries. I guess it's not getting rated too well, but uh, so far it's four episodes in, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I heard 
the the ratings aren't like you said aren't good but i'm yeah I'm i guess it it's not so truthful to the book but i've never read the book so truthfully i'm, I'm going in blind but i like its connections to the dark tower and all this so it's nice. cool uh mine are i've just got a handful over here one of them was ted lasso that's uh it's actually on the apple tv it this is as you guys were kind of bringing it up at the beginning of the the show uh the uh, my aspect of the bbc and watching all british stuff well this is this is a an american uh college football coach who is yeah. now teaching uh and coaching uh european football in the european league so he's he's an american in england teaching soccer and it's hilarious. <laughs> I've heard it's, it's just, really it's on my uh, it's on my to watch list. It's on my little yeah. uh, uh, Ravi actually uh, told me to watch this too. By the way, Jason Sudeikis is yeah. he's hilarious in this film. He's uh, <laughs> it's it's very wholesome too. At the same time, it's very weird how they do it because you're expecting terrible things to happen, but it isn't. It isn't uh, everything kind of works out the, uh, better than you might even expect it to go. Um, good little twist at the end. Very enjoyable. Uh, Haunting a Blind Manor, another one you already brought up. I thought it was uh, enough creep factor in it to keep me going to watch to the end, especially because I never, uh, I was a little too creeped out to finish Hill House. So Blind Manor was was a good uh, show to get me through. Wait, did you uh, never finish Hill House? I never, I never made it to the end. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. Yo, mm-hmm. you should definitely go back and finish that, dude. Disappointing. I loved Hill House, bro. Yeah, the ending hits hard in that one. It hits a lot harder yep. than this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure it does. Yeah, uh, one that we don't we we I think I feel like has been kind of under uh, well quote Loki uh, <laughs> is uh, Lock and Key. I, it's a very good mystery. I think you'd I don't know if you've seen this, James, but I think you actually it's, enjoy it. It was I remember this was actually my pick when we did their uh, our three challenge thing. But yeah. you were like, I chose it too, and I was like, All right, you can do it. I'll choose something else. And I was like, Fuck, mm-hmm. man. And uh, I think it got renewed for a second season too. So it did. It yeah. did. It, it's very good. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm actually looking forward to it. It's another one that has a. Uh, it's got a good mystery, but it's also very creepy. You know, just to kind of go through it, you don't know what's going to happen, and it's fun to watch. That, that's definitely on my uh, to watch list soon for that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got a couple of miniseries. Tiger King, of course, uh, you know, it was the epitome of the pandemic. Everything was happening and everybody's talking about it. So that was just a good time. Uh, and then Queen's Gambit, which was a, a, a little surprising gem that came out. I wasn't expecting much out of it. And you, you kind of start watching, you get hooked and you want to see how it ends and uh, just just enjoyed it overall. Good list, man. I'll start mine with Star Trek Picard, which you can watch on CBS All Access premiered right at the beginning of 2020 and it's basically 20 years after captain picard was helming the starship enterprise and he's pretty much trying to uncover some conspiracy that's going out that's going on in the federation and it's very entertaining it's it's does a good job at sort of modernizing star trek but at the same time kind of keep it in in the same sort of spirit as the the classic show i think that uh john luke is incredible in this and his growth you kind of see like a a wary kind of captain that that still despite everything that he's been through holds on to his ideals and his beliefs and what he thinks the federation should be first season is pretty solid and um i think that if you're a fan of star trek you'll enjoy it and the next one is Hunters, which is on Prime Video, and it premiered in February, and stars Al Pacino. Um, very entertaining show, although it's very violent. Uh, 
though I really enjoy that kind of stuff. So if that's not really your thing, then I suggest probably don't watch it. But really, really well done. Very well written, too. Uh, aside from that, also, I am not okay with this, which James mentioned, which stars Sophia Lillis, by the way, someone that we mentioned in our top ten list. Exactly, yeah. Kind of sad that it that it's canceled because she did fucking phenomenal in this show. Dude, Hopefully not to someone mention, in network it, will pick it, it up. Ends on a, it literally ends on a cliffhanger. Yep. Like, yeah, never we'll gets never so, it, dude. It's like it ends, and you're like, I wonder how that it's got. Oh, never mind. Okay, cool. yeah, it's like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, another one is Raised by Wolves, which is on HBO Max, another sci fi that's produced by Ridley Scott. And uh, it's gotten a little bit of mixed reviews, but I really enjoy this show. I kind of like its deep themes and the overall premise of the show, I think it's very entertaining. So, if you're a huge, huge fan of sci-fi, which I am, then this is probably for you. I've I've actually added this to my list because of you, Marco. Yeah, I it's it starts off really slow. I will say that it's kind of a slow burn I've at heard. first, but like right on like episode three and four, it, it kind of takes off. And I want to say crazy. That it got renewed for another season two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I, it intrigues me now. I'm like, okay, let me give this a fucking go. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy plot, but it kind of makes sense if you kind of like pay attention. Uh, I had yeah. a bunch of other stuff, but they're kind of like continuations of shows like season twos and threes and four, so I'm not really going to mention those. So miniseries Perry Mason, which is surprising surprising to me that it's a miniseries because I thought that they were going to have like a second season, but I guess it's just an HBO miniseries. If you're a fan of the original character and you want to see a reimagining of what it would look like, then I highly recommend this one. And High Score, which is also on Netflix. I'm a huge video game fan. Obviously, we all are. So it's kind of nice to see the evolution of game systems and, and video games and their developments. So if that's something that interests you, then check it out on Netflix. Uh, so speaking of video games, Marco, uh, High Score, by the way, I heard is really good. So leading into it, these are the games that we kind of were standouts for 2020. I think uh, we're all going to agree for my list. Uh, Last of Us Part 2 on PlayStation 4 was absolutely phenomenal. That is a game that is damn near a cinematic masterpiece itself. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 Remake for me as well on PS4. If you're a fan of the original Final Fantasy 7, this actually, uh, not really spoiling it, but by the end of the, the game, it's actually an entirely different storyline going on, which is really cool, and I, I'm looking forward to Part 2 whenever that drops and. How many years? Five to ten years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, which I talked about uh, during our uh, challenge se- sequences this year, which was a fun little thing we did. I played that on Switch. That was a really fun game. Spider-Man Miles Morales was a excellent follow-up to the Spider-Man game on PS4. So I played Miles nice. Morales. The first game I played on my PlayStation 5. I think it's uh, it's a shorter game, but it's it's also it's its mechanics are really well done. So I really like that one a lot. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. I played it on PS5 as well. The campaign for this game is absolutely phenomenal as well. I think this is one of the best campaigns in quite some time. And I was a big fan of the Modern Warfare one, but I, I really like that this one takes place in like the 80s. And it has uh, it actually does a better job of showing the 80s than Wonder Woman 1984. So Fuck. look at that. Uh, with you guys, I played a, and Mikey too, I played a lot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare multiplayer this year as well. That was a lot of fun. Um Sometimes frustrating, but uh, <laughs> some late nights just playing and just getting really pissed off at this fucking game. So, uh, oh. Gears of War 5, Hive Busters. I played this with Mikey and uh, Nabil. 
uh, Xbox One Series X, and it was a uh, it's like a DLC campaign expansion, uh, three player co op on Xbox. That was really fun. And uh, my last standout is Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven on Series X. I, so that's how I played it, and it runs pretty good on that one. So I okay. actually beat it too, and I had a lot of fun. So very cool. Uh, similar items on the list. I got Last of Us Part Two. Is just masterful, great, great from start to finish. Uh, Call, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, especially Warzone, uh, that multiplayer, very different battle royale, something I could actually get into. Still suck, still get destroyed every single time, but, you know, enjoyable enough to keep going. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake was also a great game. Um, I have not finished it yet, but, it, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but it is quite enjoyable at the parts that I've been going through. And it, First Hamilton, now this. Snibble, I, need you, I need you to take a breather. I need you to take a walk. And to get my life straight. <laughs> uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Still playing through that game. And it's quite enjoyable as well. Um, a little bit buggy on the Xbox One. But uh, manageable they're, to get They're through. fixing it. <laughs> they are. Well, if they survive these lawsuits. Hopefully, because I got that one for Christmas too. Oh, did you? Nice, man. Yep. Cool. And uh, Animal Crossing on Switch. Solid. This game was uh, a very good game that was surprising for uh, the pandemic that came out uh, it actually got my wife into some video games and she's she still plays it from time to time um just a very happy-go-lucky game that has no real consequence of doing anything bad or good um interesting characters and just fun to unwind sometimes and and de-stress awesome i'll start mine with the last of us part two i mean we we can't stress that enough it's a fucking fantastic game i know that it's Mm -hmm. a split decision between the fans but I mean, I think it's great. It won Game of the Year, so I think that ends all arguments there. Uh, also, Predator Hunting Grounds on PlayStation 4. Also another game that I played with these guys and have some fond memories of is being hunted by the Predator or hunting as a Predator. and Just firing randomly <laughs> to the trees. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just firing yeah. into the goddamn jungle. Change does 100 rounds. I know, I know. Fuck, I messed up. <laughs> But uh, it's a really fun kind of quick round game that just kind of keeps you going, keeps you invested. They just did an update in which like they have Predator Two stuff on there too. Yeah, there's cool. so much stuff now, and all so the cool. Arnold yeah. shit is so cool. Yeah, I love how a lot of the DLC that they that they keep releasing is pretty much free. Like you just have to earn it throughout the game, so that's pretty cool. And it's probably something I'll end up picking up again here time sometime soon. Let me know. Call man. of Duty Modern Warfare, the multiplayer. <laughs> we mentioned we uh wasted a lot of nights just staying up to like two <laughs> two in the fucking morning just playing this ever, just going it, to work it's, one of, it's it's always like one of those things like we'd we play them like everyone would drop and me and mark would still be on and be like man i'm yeah. done for another game and then like 12 <laughs> matches later i'm like fuck what time is it dude <laughs> i'm a little tired the next day at work i'm like fuck all i'm thinking Same about here. Is, like, I was what gun like, i'm gonna man. earn I got four hours of sleep, you know. <laughs> but you know what? Surprisingly enough, even the 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 campaign was done very well for that game too. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Call of Duty campaigns. Has a little bit of a twist to it also, and it looks mm-hmm. like they left it kind of open for a sequel. So we'll see. But I think very so, yeah. enjoyable game. Up next is Star Wars Squadrons, uh, which I played on the Xbox One. This is a really, really fun game. I, I know some people <laughs> complain about the mechanics of flying some of the ships, but once you get the hang of it, it's actually pretty fun. And the campaign is actually really, really well done in this as well, too. 
James and I differ as far as like one of the ships that's introduced in this game, but overall it, it's fun. It, it gives you kind of a point of view of both sides, both the empire and also the rebels. And you get to play like a lot of the different popular ships that uh, little spaceships that you see throughout the star Wars universe. So yeah, really fun. I liked, one. Not- I like that one a lot. I just beat it uh, recently too. I told you, I know you hate the design of the ship. But- <laughs> Of one of the ships, at least. But I, uh, if you're a fan of like the old X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games, too, or X-Wing or TIE Fighter, uh, re- uh, it's very reminiscent of those. It's yeah. super fun. So, Absolutely. And lastly, The Division 2, Warlords of New York, the DLC, which released in March of 2020. Very, very fun endgame for the sequel to The Division. It's it's just so well done. The, the the writing for the DLC is actually a little bit better than some of the dialogue for the sequel. And <laughs> <laughs> after after so much trial and error, you actually have to go after Aaron Keener in this, the son of a bitch responsible for the uh, the dollar flu. So Oh, really nice. Yeah, so it, it's kind of like meta because, you know, it has to do with the pandemic and you're kind of yeah. out there kind of fighting and avenging yeah. the world even though hitting too really close to home now at this Marco. point but <laughs> but um close. but yeah it, it's kind of cool you get uh four different uh bosses and you actually return back to new york which is the location of the first game um mm-hmm. and you face some of the original foe which is pretty cool so yeah nice very fun stuff nice yeah, definitely. There's a lot of uh, good stuff coming out this year, too, so I'm looking forward to even more video games. Uh, but even talking about film in 2021, what are you most looking forward to, Marco? Sorry. Mine you. is still the same carrying over from last year, and that's Dune. Isn't it funny if you go a year ago, I actually made a call that this Dune would not come out in 2020, not knowing about the pandemic, by the way. Yeah. I thought it was <laughs> right. just going to get delayed, but uh, good job. Past James, yeah. uh, mine is the same as last year too. Uh, it is mm-hmm. no time to die. I, same choice as last year, because yeah. you know, I thought we'd fucking <laughs> see it come out. <laughs> it got delayed so. like six different times. So, yeah, I mean, quit playing with my heart, Elon Productions. Shit, man. And Bill, I understand it is for you as well, because your your pick for this year, I know, was uh, Tenet. So we know how that played out. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, get, <laughs> just hang up your mic. Got a backwards cap on Ash, Ash Ketchum. Relax. I will say we had a really good year podcasting. It was really fun with you guys. Some standouts for me. I, I really had fun doing the James Bond. Um, tr- fucking all, every one of them, actually. I don't, anthology. Yeah, anthology. The, the James I Vehicles? Say, tr- I almost said Trilogy. <laughs> yeah, the James Vehicles, too. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing the Dark Season 1 Um Podcast two, that was our first T V series we ever did it as a podcast and yeah. Uh it actually tracked really well too, which is cool because apparently there's not a lot of podcasts on dark. Speaking of which, uh announcements for our next pods, we have a few things. Uh, we're gonna try some new formats. Yeah, I've I've gotten seventeen thousand texts from people talking about the yay or nay stuff. We're gonna change it up, okay? Good God. People are like, how can they have a slight nay or a soft nay? It should just be yes or no or something. I'm like, all right, we'll figure it out. So next one, I'm going to – not the next one because we're doing a TV show, but after that, I'm going to introduce something a little different. Uh, so our, attentively, because things are changing. The things even changed today, for God's sakes. Uh, so our next one, actually, we're going back to dark because there's only three seasons, and, and be, truthfully, that show is so complex 
I think uh, we need to probably start not nailing these out, just knock them out too. So Dark Season 2 is going to be our next podcast. I know a lot of you guys thought we were doing that last year because I think I announced it actually, and then we didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> then we're doing a special one for the Godfather trilogy because we are going to be kind of highlighting the new Godfather Part 3. i sorry, it's called Godfather Coda now, I believe. Right? Yeah, Godfather Coda, the death of Michael I'm sorry. Corleone. Sorry, guys. Put the gun down, Marco. <laughs> uh, and followed by... Uh, Hopefully, we're going to have a guest for this one. We're going to do a double feature, Minari and Nomadland, because those are probably going to be big Oscar picks. Followed on uh, March, going all in March, see, just for you guys, just so you can, if you listen to the end of this podcast, you get a little extra here. It's a toss-up, Chaos Walking, Cherry, Ray and the Last Dragon. We're going to have a guest for that one, too. And then the th- March 22nd episode, we will have an Oscar discussion, and the movie for that would be TBD, because at this point, I'm not sure either one of the movies we had picked is going to come out. I know one is definitely not coming out, so... I think the the biggest um, news is our guests are coming back. This yes, year. we're going to try to get more guests now this year as well. I understand uh, we were light on that last year because we were just kind of learning the whole virtual podcasting, anyways, to begin with. So it was kind of a one of those things, you know. Yeah, we had to learn, and I think by this point we've had a few guests this last year, and we do have a few lined up. So we, we had have a few talked guinea to... pigs. That's right. And I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trial <laughs> nerves. Yeah, we, we appreciate any time we have guests. It's always something where we try to work around your guys' schedule, too. So if you guys actually do ever want to guest on this, um, probably no to the randos that listen to this. No offense. We just don't know you. But, I mean, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to the people that we do know, I mean, if you generally are, you know, just reach out to us. We'll figure it out. and uh, Or we'll just play you around for, like, a year and tell you that there's no opening just because we don't want you on. Or if you're so part of a too. podcast and you want to collaborate <laughs> – We'd be open. To yeah, do we're that. always open to that too. So we we cleaned up the Instagram and Twitter last night. Trust me, we're ready to go, man. <laughs> God damn, man. New year, new right. us. New year, new us. No, none of this, uh, no follow back later. All right, guys. So that is the end of the pod. This is a big one here. That's our best of 2020. Uh, Marco, let them know how they can reach us. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Movie Pals Pod. Also, if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify. SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to us, for all the support you guys gave us throughout all of 2020, through our ups, through our downs, through this whole crazy scenario that we're in. Thank you for all the new listeners. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. Sorry that you actually chose this one as your first episode. This isn't normally how we do things. And also, thank you to all the new followers. We've gotten like 100 new followers in the last few weeks. So, welcome. Thank you. Keep liking. Keep sharing. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And uh, let's keep it growing. Yeah, we're all friends here. We all like each other. We might joke around a lot. Or we just pick on on Nabil a lot, but whatever. It's fine. Fast Nine's coming out. I can't believe that's not your number one film. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way that's coming out in April, right? There's no way, I mean, if Vin Diesel has anything to say with it. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll put it in space. Uh, Vin, that's not possible. We'll put it in I'm space. I'm going to do this for family. Uh, stay tuned for podcast number 91. Like we said, that's going to be Dark Season 2. That'll be dropping in about two weeks. So until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one. <laughs>